Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Muffle podcast, where today we're going to talk another race review. We're going to talk about the Orcs, one of my very favourite Blood Bowl teams. It's interesting so far that all the teams we've done have kind of just been, as I've just been getting guests to come on, like whatever comes up, and some of them have been enjoyable teams, you know, like Norse, I quite like. Uh, but this is one that is definitely close to my heart, and I've got a real passion for, so hopefully that'll come across. Um, I've got uh, Dan Telford, or Raging82, the Team Island Caps on again. Hello, Dan. Hello again, Tom. Great to have you on the podcast. And we're both going to have to be extra um, passionate and excited on this because it's a sober podcast, which I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's, it's horrible because <laughs> we're doing it during the work hours. Um, and I'm assuming the Brigadier is not going to listen to this. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, let's get stuck into it. So yeah, the Orcs, Dan. I'm, I mean, they're one of the... Um, the very staples of Blood Bowl, aren't they? They've been around since, well, I mean, I say since time began, and obviously Blood Bowl yeah. 1 and 2 is a bit no. different, but they have. But. No, they've been around since uh, the first edition. So yes. they are, you know, your iconic Blood Bowl team. That's why they're so popular. And they've always been incorporated in the team box. So you see them absolutely everywhere. They're, they're people's first go-to team. So this could be quite a popular race to talk about. Absolutely. And they, and, and they are definitely, we've had a couple of chats about a couple of different bash teams so far, the Norse, uh, undead which are both podcasts coming out soon and Kemri and things like that but um you know when you look at the bash spectrum and all across it the orcs are certainly the ones that epitomize all of it and they're probably one of if not the strongest bash team aren't they yes because they get stuck in av9 everywhere just get get in there yeah i mean like you know you look at the other bash teams like norse are freaking ad av7 they're a bit too mm. flimsy aren't they they're gonna get well, killed um yeah, yeah. Other teams aren't um, as strong. So, like, for example, Dwarves are tough as well, but not, not as strong as Orcs. Uh, Kemri are super strong, but have no bash skills. Like, Orcs have got it all when it comes to the bash spectrum. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with Dwarves is they're slow. So they have to be clumped. There, there is no other alternative. Orcs can vary out a little bit, and we'll cover that when we talk about them. That's why they have access to certain t- players and stuff. Um, but with your other bash teams, like you mentioned there, like Norse, your Necro, and, and those kind of teams, they rely on strike players. So they have to stand off, hit you, um, and they don't have many players to tie you up with because either the zombies are too slow to get round your lines to type your back players. Um, orcs are all about being in your face. You know, you, you can just, they're so forgiving. You just wedge them in wherever you need them to. Um, and then when we talk about skill progression and stuff, they just make, they give them skills that make them stronger at doing that. And you just try and pin them in. Um, it's only when you hopefully destroy all those flimsy L's and don't let them around your backfield that's only when you start having problems and actually yeah we'll dive into the tactics later on but um, I spoke with Joe Manji yeah. about um, Skaven and he, one of the big things Joe said is that uh, whenever you rely on removals that's when it becomes starts to become a problem in Blood Bowl you shouldn't be relying on removals necessarily and a lot right. of the other Bash teams do rely on removals because they rely on trying to surgically strike people or, or dirty clear people off or <laughs> things like that but actually the Orcs are a, a really definitely a grinds team where they're almost relying on not getting removed um and you know yeah. they do want to kill shit obviously because when you're a batch you want to kill shit but if you go the entire game and you don't remove anybody but they don't remove any of you and you're just grinding through them then, then that's often a good thing yeah i mean totally right i mean i totally agree with with joe um you should never ever put your game plan down to removing the opposition you know um you need to know how to work around it and with orcs again they put you on the floor you survive armor nine. It's not invincible, but it should keep you on the pitch. And then you try another, remove them or knock them to the floor and control space with your strength. And and that's what it is. It's learning how to do that properly. That makes you better. 
Absolutely. The, the, the thing with, with Orcs, and people said this before, is it's one of those teams where you can pick up from the start, it's really forgiving, but the better you, be, you become at Blood Bowl and the better of a coach you become, the team becomes better as well. So they are, that's why they're tier one. They are definitely tier one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and, um, and a lot of this podcast we'll be talking about, we did the Dark Hell podcast with guns about how amazing Dark Hells were and everything was how good they are. And this is definitely a podcast like that as well. There are, there are some things you've got to watch out for because um, new players do pick them up and when they start to play better players, you've got to watch out for it. But we'll flag those up for you in the tactics, listeners. Don't worry. Right, let's dive straight into the team. And there, there are some positionals here that um, I actually don't like very much. And I think uh, we'll talk about that and we'll have a little chat through them. But um, first off, this player I love very much the orc lineman the line orc probably one of pound for pound one of the most uh, you know valuable well costed get bang for your buck players in blood bowl i mean he's he's a 50k lineman who's movement five strength three agility three and armor nine with general access i mean he can stand wherever you want him to stand he's going to keep getting up and getting wedged back in as you said he's just all round really good value isn't he yeah, I mean, when the game's actually flowing, he is, as you say, awesome. You can just attach him to a player. He gets knocked over. Yeah, that old Chumbawamba song. He gets knocked over, he gets down, he gets back up again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yeah, he's gonna he's gonna keep keep people pinned in. The, the thing with the linemen is you don't actually have that many because when we start talking about builds and stuff, there's a core. And when you move on to the next positionals, we literally just talk about the core of an orc team. Um, he's not part of that core. So it's how many are you actually going to have in your team to what, what job he's achieving for you. Um, you don't normally see many Orc linemen on the line uh, because they're, you, know, you have stronger players for that. And when you move them around, the movement five is the sore spot because when you're an Orc player, the time you're going to struggle the most is at when, when people are kicking to you. And if they kick deep, you don't have that movement to cage deep. So you're spending the first turn or two trying to reconnect with your front line. And that's the weak point for Orcs. So he, he's, he's good. And as you said, you can, if you want the, the armor nine build and you can just get rid of some of these positionals, um, you'll see a few more of them. And then he comes a little bit more valuable to you. But you know, he's not going to get SPP. It's, it's one of those positions where it's, he's great at what he does. And as um, you said... No, and I would agree. You, you don't have loads in your team. But I actually, do, on my favoured uh, Orc build that we'll go into, I, I actually do have two. Um, I drop... Um, I often, um, if I was going to go super reliable and play Orcs um, how I think they should be played, I probably don't even take the troll and I have a lineman instead of the troll because he's actually more reliable even though he's not got yep. the high strength. Um, and, then I don't, and then I don't I'm use the thrower. Like I want to talk about that. So I do use two of these dudes and they, and they, might, they might be on the line. It depends on uh, what you're playing. If you're playing something that's going to kill you, uh, I'd rather put those up than my Black Orcs. Um, but they may be tying up big things or things like that and that's what I use them for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the Blackhawks. They're kind of your uber linos, <laughs> if you will, um, yeah. your blockers. Um, and yeah, and every, every bash team needs some sort of roadblock blocking function. And the Blackhawks definitely do that. I mean, they, they really typify the orc ethos, don't they? And I read that on a, on a blog I was reading earlier. They're big, they're ugly, they're hard to shift, they're strength four. They just sit there and look at you and just fuck you up. I mean, like, they're really cool. Yeah, well... The, the massive perk for these is the cost. Um, Orc teams are so cheap. 80k for a strength four player. Um, and as I was talking about before with your core, you get four of these. That's half your core of the team that you pretty much go to. Um, they, you know, I see them as the players that are going to hold off your, the opposition, opposition's team to allow you to get to that, as I said, to turn two, turn three, so you can reconnect, properly cage up, 
and then grind forward from there. So they're the ones who are holding the opposition back. So they need to be strong and reliable. But this yeah, like is the, said, the, I was going to say, like you said, they're not fast. I mean, I just the stats, I forgot to run through them, actually. They're, you get four of them, like you said, they move four, so they're not quick. But they're strength four, agility two, armor nine. And they've got general and strength access key as well. And like you said, ATK. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, but again, this is, this is one of the weaknesses in the team first off, because they don't start with any skills. They're a bash player that has no bash skills. Um, you need to pump SPP into them. They're not scoring touchdowns. They're just in, in the thick of it. You need to get a couple of casualties on these guys early. So you have to, do have to kind of block with them. But a lot of you know, rookie players, this is the mistake, is they blitz with them. You know, they think, oh, I can just get a two dice without having to move someone next to them, blah, blah, blah. And don't use the reliability of a block, um, a block player. And they use these to blitz holes and stuff. And that's where things normally go wrong for rookie coaches. So but this actually- is a great player, but someone you need to watch out for. And these dudes, you know, that these are a guy who you have to actually, I would agree, like particularly for early learners who are learning the, the orc team um, off the bat, um, is this is a player you have to think about whether you want to block with or not. Um, they may well be tying somebody up. And if you throw that block, um, what's it, a one in nine for fucking it up and, and ending up yeah. on your own ass uh, when you yeah. haven't got block. Uh, so if they're tying someone up and they have to be tying them up, uh, you have to make a decision. Do you want to throw the, what, is that two dice block going to make it better for you? Like you said, they need to get SPP. They need to knock people over. But quite often, just four of these dudes sitting, tying up, hopefully at least two players each, not doing mm-hmm. anything, um, and making your opponent you know, come at you and decide whether they want to block them or move it can be a really good strategy. And use your blitzers to do what they're good at, blitzing. That's why they're called blitzers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a good point, actually. That the, the reason they're called bobs, so Black Orc blockers, um, there are not many positionals that have retained that blocker's name. That's from very early on Blood Bowl, where it used to have, you know, you used to be able to get orc catchers, you used to get a kicker positional, you used to get linemen, you used to get uh, an, an actual blocker players. Um, you know, the, the word blockers is actually you know, fundamental to like the early days of, of Blood Bowl, where, you know, where us Brits kind of created the game and tried to make fun things out of the American, uh, American football sort of franchise and stuff. And they didn't really know what a blocker or, because they don't understand what, what's a tight end, what's a linebacker, what's this kind of stuff. They just thought, yeah. uh, linebacker, uh, lineman. Uh, and they just kind of just made words up. Um, but it's one of the only pieces that actually kept that um, like heritage from, from the first. So it's nice to see them still called black hole blockers because it'd be a shame for them not to be called bobs anymore because everyone just knows them as bobs. <laughs> I know. and, that's, and that's one quick thing to talk about actually before we move on to the blitzers who are the superstars um, mm. is that there's been some quite strong rumours that Blackhawks might be leaving the Orc roster when if uh, Blood Bowl 3 comes out the new Blood Bowl that we, has been strongly rumoured oh. and that's been one of the rumours is that they're going to get rid of Blackhawks and whether that, they're going to go into a new team and I don't know how that's going to work or something but that in some fashion Blackhawks are leaving the Orc team and that would, it would completely change the team dynamic yeah, I mean, you, you could, like the elves have been split into different teams with, with green skins, you could do that because when we can move on to um, teams you can buy and stuff, um, there's so many third party teams out there covering different, you know, um, different types of aesthetics. So you've got your, you know, Maori, pirates, bikers, um, you know, oh, savage orcs. I've seen everything out there. So I, I see it happening. It would be a shame though because. As, as I just said, this is part of the core team of the Orcs. This is their fundamental, you know, this and the next mission we're just going to talk about is you, you take you max out on them and that's your go-to all the time. So to see that happen, yeah. that would be quite sad. But yeah, I could see it happening. And I, and I could see um, you then using like the linemen we've already spoken about as Black Orcs effectively. They're not strong, but they've still got the armor. They're a bit more mobile. Um, they just wouldn't be able to tie up as many people because of that lower strength. 
Um, but you, you could see the play style, um, you know, adapting to it, to it with that. Um, and there are some tournament builds that people build without Black Orcs because they want to have a more mobile Orc team. And it can be very effectively. I've seen ones with, um, I've used one actually with uh, multiple Goblins as well. Um, so yes. it's a much more mobile Orc team. And that is, yeah, I'm, that I'm is sure we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about Speed Orcs when we get to that stage, I'm guessing, yeah. I've, 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 I've kind of wrote a roster for that. <laughs> speed oh. orcs it, it's not it doesn't seem to go well together does it but those are the black orcs um yeah we love them i think they definitely epitomize the orc team the, the bobs mm. yeah. um, let's let's move on to the stars uh, you get four of these guys the blitzers aptly named they should be blitzing like we've said don't blitz with your black orcs uh and they're fast they're well say fast they're they're averagely speeded <laughs> for uh, for normal blood bowl teams but they're fast for orcs uh movement six Strength three, agility three, armor nine. So that's a pretty good um, stat list off the bat. Uh, and they've got block straight out of the gates, which is amazing. And general and strength access for 80k. So yeah, they kind of do everything in my old team for sure. Because of that strength access, you can give them mighty blow, guard, all those sorts of good skills yeah. um, and really tune them to how you want. And then tackle with the general, all those sorts of bits. Well, as you were alluding to, they are all the versatility to the orc team. They are everything to the orc team. And they're the fastest players you've got less than one other positional which most people don't take um you know they are so cheap so this is the other half of your core so you have four blitzers four black ox takes you up to 640 and that's where you normally just you know you've got that figure in your head and you just build around that so you have different teams or different play styles around what you're going to add on to these eight players um and they you know, like we were talking about in the Lizardman um, podcast, they, they complement each other so well when they work with the, work in conjunction with the Black Orcs or the Bobs. Um, and it, they, they are everything. They are the lifeblood of the Orc team. You, you, I couldn't imagine seeing an Orc team with cutting out, cutting out blitzers. It's like you covered it on the Dark Elves with, um, uh, with Phil. Um, I think it was Phil. Yeah, where you know, four starting players with block in a league. And, and again, this is one of the reasons why you see so many Orcs. It's not just because they're the team that everyone has because they come in the box. Um, it's the skills that these players give you from the start of a league make them so much stronger. So starting up with four block and you come up against a Kemri team that got none or two or you know or something else, you're normally doubling the amount of block you have over your opposition from the start. So it helps you get that leg up in the start of a league. Yeah, and that's thing, you get so many of them. Like in a weird kind of way, I'm looking at the team, I'm like, wow, so if I, got, if I can only get zero to two blitzes, that might balance the team. Uh, but because you get four, <laughs> uh, you can build them in so many different ways. And, and we'll go yeah. on and we'll move on in a sec, actually talk about throws, because I actually use one of these guys in my ball carrier. Um, I pretty early on in my, in my development, get short hands on him. And I actually give, quite often give short hands in a tournament setting um, because he's faster. He comes with mm -hmm. block. When yeah. you're looking at throwers where you're not actually going to be passing the ball anyway, uh, you're looking at a player that's got short hands. You've no. got to give block to him anyway. Um, so I'm like, well, if I've got a player with block who's faster, I'll just give short hands to him. So even in a <laughs> tournament setting, you know, he only uses up one skill to build a similar player. Um, yeah. th and let's let's compare, move on to that comparison actually, because um, I think it's quite interesting. Uh, the next player is the thrower, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, one of his big weaknesses. Anyway, he's he's only 70k, so he's cheaper than the than the blitzer. Uh, he's movement five, which is a big problem for me. Uh, he's uh, he's um, strength three, agility three, and then armor eight, which is another big problem for me on the orc team. Uh, he's got pass, and that can be useful, and I'm sure you're going to come back and tell me why. Uh, he's got short hands, and he has got passing access as well as general, so that's where he can become a go-to in tournament builds if you want to get a leader in and things like that. But yeah, thrower versus blitzer for a ball carrier. Yeah, I mean, there's so many questions when you come to orcs. 
And this is literally, as you, were, as you were alluding to, those tournaments and leagues and how you're approaching it and what your skills you're planning to give them. So before, when you take any te- team, you didn't just take them and not have an idea of what I'm going to give them the next skill, what I'm going to give them the next skill. So if you're taking a thrower, as you said, that movement five is, is a massive difficulty. I think I said on the Lizardman podcast that movement seven is the ideal for any blood ball player because you can stand on the center square, get to any square within your half without having to do go for it to collect the ball. Um, he obviously you, you've got two go for it's now to do that so it does put you under pressure straight away you kind of need two like a dwarf team would have two runners if you're going to take them and people don't want to take two throwers it's you know extra 20k lot of armor um, until you start thinking what skills are going to give them if this is your ball carrier he gets block uh, as a as a first and then your second skill again you're not giving him throwing skills to do to, to pass the ball right? you're giving him things like kickoff returns so he can get to the ball more reliably you're only taking him for sure hands. And one of the strengths of the human team, which comes in the box, is literally the thrower. The thrower is, okay, you're saving on rerolls because you've got sure hands, you've got pass, and you've got a player that has the catch skill. This team doesn't have that. Um, so is he, as you say, is he actually passing? If you want to do more variables and have, you know, be more of a fun player and just not stick to the hardcore meta, um, then yeah, some people do want to play passing orcs. And we can talk about that when we talk about the next positional. Um, but it's, is it, I, I, I'm probably like you. I'm, as you know, I'm a competitive player. Um, I have taken the thrower and used him some success, but then end up dropping him. You know, you don't really, re-rolls are cheap. You don't need him for the leader access or leader caddy. Um, I would much prefer to put sure hands on a blitzer the same as you and because of the speed um, and the reliability of already having block because then you're not giving a skill to a thrower player when you can just chuck them all on your, your core ones because your black hawk need them more than anyone else. Yeah, and I think I've probably got two other things to add, and quite a lot of people come back and say, um, and it does depend on your playstyle. Some people use throwers much quite effectively, and uh, one of the reasons they cite is that um, using a blitzer with sure hands is all well and good, um, but that means that you've got one fewer of those four dudes with your guard and mighty blow and uh, standing yep. in the in the cage and all that sort of thing, which is a fair argument. I just I just think, like I said up front, there's so many of them. You do have four, and you're probably going to be anchoring at least one, if not two, corners of the cage at the time with a black ball. So you've got three others anyway doing those jobs. Um, I mean, as, as you were alluding to, if you're grinding up the pitch, you get to like the end of your drive and you have one or two turns to score and all the opposition are doing their double banked defence in front of you, do you want to be trying to smash through with your faster player with block or do you want to be stuck with your movement five player that doesn't have block, only agility free, not really going to reliably blitz his way through? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. He is a much better ball carrier, but it's a and, case of... And the amount of times you rip that one square makes a big difference, actually, when you suddenly mm. need to switch it a little bit more and move around. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Yeah, and the other thing I was going to say is that I, I also really like to have a, uh, a shorthands player on defence because it's really handy to run in and grab the ball. Um, but I just think that throwers on defence are so weak because they're effectively like a weaker line off. You can't really tie anyone up because they're moving eight. You need to protect them. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of want them on the pitch in case you've got that opportunity. So I like to have that blitzer there because he's faster and he can run in and grab it. So I just think he does both roles better because you, you can build a defensive thrower. Um, and that works really well on the human team, for example. But I think it's, it's the, the juxtaposition of the speed, the movement five, and the armour rate. I think if he was movement six, we'd be having a different rotation. Yeah, well, or, or I'm a nine. You know, either way, it's just yeah. both of them together makes him a problem in both well, the, situations. This is the thing. Lots of people were calling out for him to be movement six, but if you look at all the teams that traditionally start with a thrower, all it is is a lineman with um, pass and short hands given to it, and then um, yeah, and the passing access. Um, so they've stuck to that movement five because he's a lineman. 
um, it's the, the big thing is they're giving, dropping the armor on him because yeah. they haven't you know, your Skaven throwers, your human throwers. They're, they're all the same as traditional linemen for those those positionals, and that's why they haven't given them movement six. But you're right, the, the movement six on on this team, which desperately needs people to people to be able to keep. And as I said, the weakness of the orcs is getting stuck in the backfield. He's the reason that you're going to get stuck in the backfield. Um, if they if they get round your lines and they cut off your team and you're you're isolated from your strong players. Um, that's when it all goes wrong. You know, you start off playing teams like Wood Elves and um, Slan, and they're your first opponents where you've got no decent skills. You you see that happen all the time. They kick deep, and you get you get put into two different bubbles, and they just pressure you backfield, put your thrower on his backside, and score. Absolutely, and um, yeah, and I think that sort of draws a line under it. You, you can use him, and we will talk about um, when we talk about developing players um, how I would do that if I was going to use him. Um, and a lot of players will want to use him because you do get him in the box, and uh, you know why not use a miniature? And he is a really cool miniature, actually, the uh, GW yeah. one. Um, and there are really good things you can do with him. And if you want to do a more hybrid play where you might need to pass the ball, you know, absolutely take. It's just not how I competitively would do it. So you know, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying uh, if you want to play like me, then uh, do, don't do it. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to. So we'll do the troll last. Uh, let's move on to the goblins. Um, I mean. Most listeners will have seen goblins. I think they're a lot of fun. They're another one of these staples of Blood Bowl. They've kind of, they've kind of got um, some of the best all-round stunty stats, skinks aside, but like normal stunty players. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're uh, they're movement six, so they're they're reasonably quick, you know, compared to like a halfling or something like that. Strength two, as you'd expect. Agility three, uh, and armor value seven, which does actually make a big difference compared to a lot of the stunties with armor six and stuff like that. Uh, and then they've got dodge, right stuff, and stunty and agility access, which is all pretty standard. For 40k, so they're a general all-round good stunty player. They can move around the pitch, bit of mobility. Um, I'd say sort of off the bat before you come in, and you get you can get up to four of them. They just they are a bit weird in the orc team because uh, they don't build into the traditional playstyle. And we'll talk mm. later about the the speed orcs and stuff. But I do like them, and I've we, we I've had a debate before about the humans and how I just really wish that the humans had a couple of halflings access to it because it's just it adds that fun element to Blood Bowl. It's great that they're there because you can use them with the trolls to do like a slightly different play style. And it's just, it's just a bit of fun and how I think Blood Bowl should be played. And so you don't have to use them. They don't, you know, having them in there doesn't make the orcs suddenly broken. Um, mm. And there are play styles you can do. I mean, just a lot of fun. Like, I don't see why not add them into the green skins. Yeah, well, you need to hit the nail on the head. They are the versatility because you've got your traditional players they are going to go core. Take the core, fill out a couple of spots with high AV, and then just look to bash. With orcs, they do struggle when you start going players down, and that's why people are scared to take goblins because AV seven stunty means they're more likely to go off the pitch. Um, but they, you know, for, especially for a rookie team, having a goblin or two on there, like you don't traditionally see people wanting to take four because they'll just get smashed off the pitch. Then you're left with slow, strong AV players, but slow. So you're either they end up giving up two to tight blocks, and you haven't got the movement to defend. Um, but if you can play, if you play Lizardman well and know how to use skinks, you can do the same with goblins on an orc team. Because as I say, you don't start off with block on the, on the bobs and stuff like that. Um, you, you're not going to have tackle that early on or depend on how you build them or what you're facing and stuff. So you're not going to have much tackle. So goblins can go around the back of your positions when you've got you're wedged in with your orcs and blitzers. Goblins go around the back so they can't dodge away from your strength players and, and again you can generate it's all about generating more blocks the more block dosing you're throwing the more injuries you're causing the more spp you're getting i mean orcs do find that it's, it's it's a struggle for them and then what we alluded to earlier um about who's going to carry the ball 
Um, if you can get the ball in a, in a goblin's hand, and that's stunty dodge, three plus dodging, you know, you, it, you've got to think about it. If you're in your backfield and it takes you two or three turns to get reconnected to, to a cage round the, round the, the, the line, the, you know, the um, uh, center line. And then the opposition is not going to give you an easy, easy run of it. So you're going to take another two or three turns to get within scoring range. Having the ball on a, on a goblin within a massive, strong, armored, packed cage, he can then dodge out and run through a defensive line reliably because he's got dodge and you know uh, three plus dodges with dodge. You know, so he's he's going to give you more of a scoring threat. Um, but people just don't like it. They don't think it fits in because they just want all armor because they again the play style of orcs is to get jammed in. And a, yeah. a goblin doesn't want to be jammed in. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and it's, it's interesting what you said, you know, particularly early on in leagues, when you're comparing him to a blitzer, he's got a defensive ball carrying skill in dodge. Um, so mm-hmm. early on when people haven't got tackle, um, he's all, he's got, you know, I'm not sure what the stats are versus block and dodge and how that all works, but he's, he's got a defensive skill in there. Um, and um, he's the same movement. So he's, he's movement six. So you can kind of see how that all starts to make sense. And actually on defense, we'll talk about tactics soon. Orcs mm-hmm. can you know, they're not dwarves. They haven't got tackle fucking everywhere. They can really struggle with some of the more agility-focused teams to stop them scoring, to assume that your opponent's going to score. Um, yeah. A couple of goblins with dive and tackle in there, um, and you can mark ball carriers up and stuff, can become a real problem. They can just dodge through and do that. Um, but, and, you know, people who use skinks will know that that can be really powerful. But that's the thing. With skinks, you're giving them, you're giving them those skills to have a screen or, or to do that, to disrupt. Goblins, people are giving them skills to make the one-turner more reliable. Um, and you can't do a one-turner if you don't have a goblin. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, and, that's, and that's the interesting thing. It's, it's, it's interesting that you mention that as well, because there can be hero plays. And uh, mm. all the DBLers who are listening will know that uh, Ewan majestically won the DBL this year because he had a goblin. And he had the goblin <laughs> on the pitch and went for it. And I think you say, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very, very low odds that you're going to chuck a, a goblin in with a troll, particularly because he's got the extra always hungry. Um, role mm-hmm. which just makes him a really really bad thrower of players yeah. but if you've got the goblin in there you've got the chance and blood bowl can sometimes be about that giving yourself that chance um and yeah. Ewan was able to do that and not have to go to penalties against Gav. Um, you know he would manage to win the game so the hero plays yeah. there well it's, it's not just you know the one turner it's also when you're looking at two turners um orcs are only movement six without doing go for it so as you know from the center line to scoring a touchdown you need to move 13 squares so that's always the number you're thinking of. If you can only move six, uh, 12 squares, uh, wrong, 12 squares in two turns um, without doing go for it. So you know, the reliability of not having to do the, you know, the dreaded, because you know it's always going to be a one when you're going over that line. <laughs> it's always going to be a one. Statistically um, uh, likely, yeah. if not definite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, they do struggle to do two turns, two turn scores. I mean, it's not impossible, but they do struggle. You know, you have to get the ball to the blitzer. You got to, you, know, you have to commit to one side. It's easy to defend against. Um, so having, you know, as I think alluded to before, with Orcs, you want if you want a chance to score back on them, you have to let make your opponent score really, really early in the half if they're driving on you. Um, if you let them score t- a turn seven or eight, you know it's you're not going to have much chance to score back on them. Um, it's it's a diff- it's a difficult one when you talk about strategy of Orcs and. You know, how to control the pace of the game and again when you're looking at a rookie player compared to a veteran player this is one of those things i meant about the better more you get and more games you play and more you understand about the game um you know people as rookie players take this because they just love the idea of it oh just chuck a goblin you know just chuck him chuck him here chuck him that and they, they kind of think of it like a fling coach would want to chuck 
halflings around everywhere. Um, but it's, they do offer you so much. The, the Goblin is such an underrated player. I, mean, I had this a massive talk with um, Nazgob from the Anything But One podcast, and where he is just all oh, armor nine, bash everything. Goblins shouldn't be on the roster. This is a, a, a tragedy. And I just pulled him one side at, um, at 12 minutes wedding and just gave him like a, a massive lecture on no, this, you could do this and you could thought about this and you know uh, they give you give you assists when you don't have guard. They can you know control areas and space of the, of the pitch that people don't think about when they when they start off playing. So it's it's definitely a good place to look at and talk about and actually consider what it can give you. Yeah, it's, it's another option, isn't it? And they're loads of fun. They're goblins and yeah. goblins are fun. Um, but yeah, um, like we've uh, been talking about and alluding to, they do juxtapose quite well with the troll. If you do want to do that, one stand touchdown, you know, they kind of work well and having, often having one goblin on the bench if you've got a troll just for that chance is really good. Mm. But yeah, the troll, um, most people love him and he's a, he's a, a player that a, a lot of um, new players will go to straight away. They'll be like, well, I've got my box. I need to buy a troll. Um, but actually, you often do see new players without a troll because they bought the box and, and he doesn't come in it. So it kind of can go one of two ways. Um, yeah, I'm personally not necessarily a fan, which um, this has made things weird because I love Minotaurs and I love uh, Yetis and big guys are wild animal. I'm a super big fan of. I like to build them. To, to do their blitzing and do their hitting and get stuck in. And a troll is definitely not a player who's going to be doing any blitzing really at all ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's, um, uh, he's, he's cheap, which is excellent for a big guy. He's only 110k. Uh, he's movement four, like a black orc, so he moves at the same pace as them within the cage and stuff. Uh, strength five, agility one, and armor nine with thick skull. Has he got thick skull, the troll? Uh, no, he doesn't, does he? No, because he's no, got, he hasn't got thick skull. Um, so, and it's weird with the big guys, which one's got what, what. But he does have regen, like you said, so mm-hmm. he's, he's pretty tough. Like, he's for 110k, and you've got an alt team, he's tough. Uh, he's got yeah. always hungry, which is, as I said, uh, you basically have to roll an extra dice before you throw the goblin to see if he eats him, and that's always, it is hilarious. It adds, it adds the amusement, but it's not yeah. the reliability that you want. And then he's got really stupid, which is probably the worst mega trait. Um, yeah, strength yeah. access. I mean, as you said, it's the strength. If, if you're a type of player and you think you're just going to jam everyone in, it does help with that because you don't have access to a big guy um, unless you're rolling strength ups on your black on your bobs. Um, so you, you do come in, but the problem with him is he needs a babysitter at all times. You know, and then you're if someone's pulls to play away from your troll. Do you want to be leaving two players on one side of the pitch, not doing anything, rather than one? Because you don't, you, know, you don't want to get them isolated. You don't want to get them left alone. Um, that um, really stupid is is the worst negatory. So that's why he is, as you said, unreliable. And then you've also got constantly think about, well, how do I keep him moving? How do I keep him with me? I mean, luckily you've got slow players in in the team with the bobs, and he's moving same movement with them. So again, if you have him up on the line, that's five players up on the line to stopping them getting through. Um, and then hopefully allowing you more chance to cage up in turn two or three to make, actually make your cage. Um, but he, he just, it just doesn't, it's, it's cheap, which is brilliant, but he just doesn't have what his counterpart has in the underworld team with you know, those mutation access for the underworld trolls, make it far and beyond like a brilliant player. This guy, he doesn't have that. Um, you know, he's, He's, he's slow. He's unreliable. He's not going to help you in turn like seven and eight if he's really stupid and he's you know back on the other end of the, of the half. But you need him if you want to do those crazy one turn touchdowns <laughs> and crazy plays. So it's again, it's it's it. <laughs> and and the big the big problem with him is is like we talked about the Blackhawks where they're a player you need to be making decisions about who you're throwing blocks with. 
I would say with trolls, you're almost never throwing blocks, but that means you're almost never going to skill him up as well. Because if you throw a block and you roll the really stupid, he is then not doing what you need to do. He is the ultimate roadblock. He needs to be tying people up um, and just sitting there. And if you throw a block and then you really stupid, or you then both, you, it's got to be three dice really. If you're doing throwing, if you're throwing two dice, don't be throwing two dice blocks every turn. Then I think I'd say for new players, just just consider where you can get three dice blocks in. Sometimes yeah. um, if you've got the opportunity to hit somebody and he's only stuck at one person, for sure, throw it. But if he's already tying two players up for agility three or worse, definitely don't throw any blocks at all because he's doing his job. That's what yeah. he's really good at doing, just sitting there and tying people up. But like you said, he can't get tentacles, which automatically makes him so much better. He can't get claw, which then makes him that removal piece. There's, there's lots have, of problems with him. Yeah, he doesn't have the speed of a Croxagore, so he's not really used as an anchor because he can't control the pitch. So he kind of just sits in the middle. You know, he's not going to be surfing players anytime soon. <laughs> I would say consider the league you're in, though, because actually if I was mm. playing in a league, you know, and I was particularly in the current TBL stats, I'm hoping they change where you get to play more people. But at the moment, if when you play the same four people twice, for example, if I was in a conference side where I had to play both like Chaos and Nurgle um, or even Kemri or things like that, where I'm going to have to play a lot of strength, um, then uh, it's definitely a consideration to, um, to take um, a Trot because he gives you that strength on the line. Um, and allows you to to really compete because otherwise the black orcs are probably just not going to quite be enough. Yeah, black uh, orc teams versus Kemri teams. You know, you haven't got the speed to get round them, and then they outstrength you, and you start losing some of your some of your strength from your from your team roster. Um, so, yeah, he then would tie up a team guardian, allow you to try and bully some of the other uh, team guardians, and try and get round to the weaker armor seven players and stuff like that. So it's those type of matchups, yeah, where troll does can can make the difference. Um, but again, if you're like me or maybe yourself and you like reliability, I, I personally would probably stay away from a troll. I've, not, I've, I've taken trolls, but I do think that having more of the other roster um, and playing a certain way through, the, through the, the length of the game can be more beneficial like odds-wise if you're looking at that sort of approach. But then trolls are fun. It's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you were playing a league, you probably would end up taking one just for that reason, you know, because they're fun. Um, mm. it's just, you know, that's, I think that's uh, all we can say about him, really. Um, and we'll move on to the, um, to the re-rolls. Uh, and they're pretty well priced for 60k, um, which is good. We've spoken about re-rolls on a couple of podcasts already. Um, yeah. I think when you've got 70k re-rolls, we've had a, a debate on the nerd about how that's too expensive and really ruins the team in a weird kind of way. But 60k re-rolls, fine. You can get the ones you need for orcs. I mean, um, orcs are- Orcs are so cheap. The whole team, the whole roster is cheap. Rerolls are fairly cheap. You know, you, you know, find cheaper on like elf teams that get 50k when they don't need as many of them because their players are too expensive. So you do find that you kind of get everything you want into what whatever tournament or what 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 your premise or you know what people give you to say right, build this sort of team, build that sort of team. When you look at cheap teams, this is it. This is a cheap bash team that you can get all your toys into one basket. Yeah. And then, um, and then they can fortunately get an apothecary despite having one player with regen in the team. Well, but there are yeah, some yeah. ones you can't. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. We didn't talk about it. It's that's a skill question that comes up all the time because normally on your Nurgle and everything else, the teams that get regen or necro and stuff, um, they don't have it for that reason because it's an extra complication. So when a troll goes down, um, you know, do you roll the regen first? Do you roll the apo first? It's it's it. it, it you know, it, it does make that's the thing. It makes the big guy more reliable for this team because it's more likely to keep him. Because um, I think I believe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it is you roll regen first. Um, yeah, you do. So you, 
I can't remember why or where I saw that from, but we, yeah. but we decided having debated it on the ECDBL chat and, um, yeah. and people came in that you do, you have to decide whether, well, you have to, um, no, wait, I thought we decided that you had to decide whether to use the app perm or not and then regen. I yeah, think, I think, I think I, that, that, would seem, that would seem more fair because it's more favored the other way then. I, and I say, I, don't quote me. I think, um, I think I have to go and check it out, listeners. But I am 99% sure we decided on the ECBBL chat that yeah. you had I mean, to decide whether to use the APO or not and then go yeah. to regen. Because it affects um, vampires as well about yeah. whether you use the APO first or the regen. I mean, if you are new, new player and new to walks and stuff like that, what I definitely recommend is Googling the, uh, one, the, the throw teammate chart. You, you, you know, if you're playing this team and you've just picked them up out of the box, download that chart, print it off, and it will explain all the intricacies between how, because it's, everyone always says, you know, really stupid, throw teammate, stunty, this, the fumbling, and everyone just gets confused. And if you have that flow chart with you, it makes your life so much easier. So, uh, you know, Google it, download it, print it off, take it with you and you're you with your team and you can just use it as a, as a flow chart of, okay, I've rolled this, oh, damn, I've, he's fallen on the floor, I've eaten him. Yeah, I'll dig out the dig that link out and just put it in the chat notes, and then people can read it. Mm. I should be making a note of what I'm going to put in the chat notes. There's going to be loads for this one, <laughs> uh, but no, we'll put that that through like because it is really useful. A lot of DBLers, Andy Barson, one of the gubs, dug it out for us all, and um, and uh, it's really useful just to be able to see what it what you do because there's often questions about it. Um, I would yeah. say you know, and when you're throwing teammate, uh, ladies and gents, remember to put the goblin on the line if you can and move their troll that one square forward to get an extra square. A lot of people forget that you can do that. Um, you know, move and then throw. You don't have to just throw from yeah. where you're standing. Right, let's move into the stars. Um, because uh, the Orcs haven't got a spike yet, which is a shame, um, I think we'll, we're going to just use the Fumble list. There are five Orc stars I've got going on here. Um, and they've got access to a couple of others, six. like Morgan Thorg and stuff. Yeah, yeah Morgan Thorg's the same. Yeah, Morgan, yeah. yeah. So you've got Morgan, then they've got Bob Bifford, who's one of my favourites. He's available to everybody now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've got five Orc-specific ones. Um, first one is a bomber dribble snot, who's funnily enough a bomber. Uh, he's he's movement six, strength three, agility three, armor seven. So he's just a standard goblin. Uh, he does have accurate, which is really really nice on a bomber. Bombardier, mm -hmm. dodge, right stuff, secret weapon, stunty for only sixty k. So he's a nice little bomber that, uh, particularly in leagues, people chuck in for a bit of fun. Like um, he can be good. Well, it, the price is sixty k. So if you're taking a star. Um, and you're trying to fit things in, like so. You cause six forty, then you might have a troll. You might have this. You might have that. You don't actually have that much uh, leftover money for stars. So if you want to take one, he is an easy option to fit one in. Um, that good thing on him, as you said, is accurate. It actually, con uh, is what is to combat stunty, because when you throw with a stunty, it's minus one. Um, and depending on how you use your bomber, so you either have your Ali Akbar um, sort of. You know, run terror, in. terrorist <laughs> i'm gonna run him in and then deliberately fumble in the feet and because that that's the problem is, but then you've got to risk run, actually running him in because you can't throw on the turn that he's moved you can throw um throw a player or throw the ball and throw with a bomb the bombardier skill isn't isn't your throw for the turn um so he you got you got a kind of i said with chainsaws you've got to know how to use a bomber um you know but he is is quite a good one because he's got right stuff. So you can actually throw him and then if he lands on his feet, throw a bomb. Yeah, I know, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's wacky, insane, um, kind of what you want from a goblin attached to an orc that kind of gives you that sort of fluff stuff. But, you know, yeah. he's, 
one of the problems is in, a, in an important game, really think about it because, you know, your Orcs want to be on their feet, providing a line, caging up, um, you know, stopping people from moving around them. And often the bomb can screw you up as much as it screws your opponents up. If you're playing someone who wants you to be on the floor, you're just playing into their hands. Uh, so yeah. it can be fun for sure, uh, but I mean, it doesn't how, necessarily play to the strengths of the Orcs. Yeah, I mean, how do you defend him? Because if you're putting players around him to defend him and he fumbles and blows up your own team, you've just left a huge hole for your opposition to run through it. Absolutely. It's tricky. So be careful with him. Uh, the next one is the Orc Chainsaw, and he's not a particularly great Orc Chainsaw, uh, not particularly great <gasps> Chainsaw player. But he is a, he I would is disagree. A, <laughs> um, well, the good thing he does have is he's effectively an Orc Lineman, so he's moved five, strength three, mm-hmm. agility three, and he's armor nine, which is what I think you're, you're saying is why he's good for 100k. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that armor nine is good. Um, I yeah. love on the Chainsaw players, the ones with Stand Firm or... or um, uh, sidestep that's uh, mm-hmm. those are the better chainsaws I think because armor 9 yeah it's good but you still only need a 7 to break through it yeah but then when you're looking at as, as we alluded to like um, Noble of Aquart who's armor 7 to start with so he goes down to armor 4 yeah, it's basically <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, it's, the, it's the price you know 100k you, you can fit him into tournament builds you, you know, I, I think he's, he's quite quite value for money for what you can what you can achieve with him if you know how to use a chainsaw i think he's quite good and plus as well because when you're looking at the games workshop boxes um you, you find you want to buy two boxes so you can get all the black orcs um and all, the, all the positionals and then it left you, leaves you with loads of linemen left over i've just converted easily converted a lineman to just, you know green stuff to ch- uh, a chainsaw onto onto his hand and stuff like that and it's really easy to make this star player um because i don't as far as i'm aware they haven't released a a, a new blood bowl 16 um, model for him so no you, I don't think there is a four twelve one is there no, no um, so you, but you know I've seen people using the goblin one and like stuff like it's basically any chainsaw player becomes any chainsaw player doesn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> quite often but no you're right and um and yeah listeners it's a I feel like a stuck record speaking about them and you know if you know how to use chainsaws you tend to not want to run in and hit people in the face with it I often use it as a fouling piece because it's really it doesn't put you out of position and it still allows you to foul quite effectively um, but he's also good for just smashing down armor seven blodgers. Um, if you yeah. get an opportunity, uh, then that's the kind of. But don't just run up to a chaos warrior and try and hit him because it's not going to work. <laughs> it's like nine times out of ten, you'll roll a one. You've got armor nine, but it's going to kill you. But it won't kill them. Um, you've got to use them uh, sparingly and like a surgical mm. strike, don't you? Yeah, or or is your fouling piece? If you do have skills like well, when we talk about one of these other star players, or if you're putting grab on black orcs or your own troll and you pull them into your cage, and then he's in your cage, so you can just chainsaw him on the floor, surrounded by all your guys. Um, yeah, he does become a little bit more lethal then, because you don't want to move him away. He's movement five. Yeah. He's not going to be running around on his own. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one day they'll bring out a chainsaw with Dirty Player, and the world will break. It'll be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be rage across the internet. <laughs> that would be yeah. hilarious. Well, I played, um, played uh, Undead uh, in the ECBBL last night, actually, and had um, Rick... Uh, what's his name? The Fouling Zombie Dude. I can't remember the rest of his name. Rick. Rick the Fouling Zombie. I've got it next door. It's Rick. Yeah. Reckless. Rick Reckless or something. But he's he's basically a zombie with dirty player and sneaky guy. And he was ridiculous. He I think he removed <laughs> four players. I was playing Necromantic Team. Just removed four players just because yeah. that dirty player is so. But then I'll play another game where he'll get sent off immediately and be like, yeah. oh well, that wasn't value for money. So. <laughs> Risk averse. It's you know exactly value for money. That's the the key when you talk about these kind of players. It's fun. It gives you an option, but is he achieving what you're paying for him? If, if, if Elgroth Bolgrok can remove more than 100k worth of players, so he, he removes two players in effect, 
um, he's, he's made more than he's worth. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the next player, I'm not sure he fits super well into an orc team, but he is a, he is a good star and he's used a lot in, um, in Ogres, for example. Uh, yeah. Scrapper, Sawhead. Um, oh. he's, uh, yeah, he's movement seven, strength two, agility three, armor seven. So he's a pogoer and he's nice and quick for a goblin. Um, he's got uh, dodge and leap. I'm probably not going to use leap that much, but he's got it. Mm. Uh, with very long legs. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a three plus. I was just looking through it. So it is a three plus because he's got long legs. Uh, stunty, sprint and sure feet, which is really, really good because he just makes him even, he makes him effectively move in 10. And then they chucked in dirty player there as well. But yeah, um, the bits that he's got, he's pretty good. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. Um, the, the, what you said there, effectively movement 10. If you are looking at a one-turn touchdown, you know, any deep kick will cripple you because you have to get the handoff to the goblin. And as you said, you want the goblin as far forward as possible, possibly on the line. If you want to get the ball to that goblin, you need to be able to physically make the movement to get the ball there. Um, so if you can't do that handoff, don't have an option. So 150K can be worth it. Again, he's got right stuff, so he can be thrown. So if you throw him, the short, short throw is more reliable with, with the troll behind your defensive line. Say if you get a blitz from turn one, um, you can get him underneath the ball and hopefully catch it. If he can stay on his feet, he can go score. Um, so that again, or you, you know, again, as you were saying, um, are you going to be leaping with him? Yeah. If, again, if you have that opportunity where you roll the blitz and you know you can't smash a hole through either side, he can leap over the defensive line and, and cause problems in the backfield. Um, he does have a lot of benefits, but you are right. He is pretty much one of those go-to stars for ogre teams. He gives them a lot more value. Um, 150k is the crippler for him because it's he's it is quite hard to fit in to justify what he can give you for those um, rare moments where he's spectacular. But the, the movement is absolutely like he, he's your quickest thing you can get in an orc team. He's, you know, he's, if you want speed orcs, if you want something like that, he's, he's the speed orc. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. The, I've got the book here with the fluff written in, but I can't remember all the fluff about him um, off the top of my head. But he is, I think he does actually give you quite a lot. It's just, it's the price. It's a little bit hard to justify sparing the money for what he can give you. Yeah, I think what I was saying about Leap is that often um, if you've got the choice and you're going to do it, you'll dodge because you've got a re-roll on that. Um, so mm -hmm. he's still stunty, so he's dodging on a three-plus with a re-roll. But if he's got to do multiple dodges or, you know, you fail one or he needs to get some of the ticker, then yeah, he's got Leap at his disposal. But it's better to do a three-plus with a re-roll than not, no re-roll, effectively. So mm -hmm. I think that's where I was going with that. But it does come in, for sure. Um, right, let's move on to... Uh, he's yeah, big, nasty Ripper. <laughs> he, I love he's, Ripper. He's a really good star, isn't he? Um, yeah. He's used a lot on goblins as well. Um, he's oh. a movement four, strength six, troll, uh, agility one, and armor nine. Uh, and he's got grab, which is just awesome on a player like this. Mighty blow, regen, and throw teammates. He's basically just a troll with grab and strength six, and no really stupid. Um, and no, always hungry as well. Interesting. Yep. I, I well, have actually seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So for two hundred seventy k. Yeah, but that's the thing. Two seventy. Um, no nega traits. So he. That's the thing that we were talked about with the negatives about the troll is you got to have someone babysitting, poking him, getting him moving. You'll never have this. So when we talked before about what the lizardmen were hoping for to get something like this, um, these type of players, your Grashnak, your Rippers, they give you so much more because they're involved for sixteen turns. He's not going to go stupid on you. He is going to stay that roadblock that you want. Um, grab is, you know, is also a blitzing skill as well. If you're talking about people who screen defense, 
because grab cancels out sidestep. You know, it reverts back to its normal on a blitz. This is on a, it reverts back to its normal push left, right, or forward. Um, and if you're stood next to someone, um, you know, it's, it's not going to give you what uh, like a Skaven team wants, or or you know what would work with a um, a Treeman on a Wood Elf team where you're going to be helping you with one turners and stuff. Um, but it does clear routes and clear paths, and you can wham that strength six in and then move them, you know, to the one side. Uh, you know, and, and you know, stop the stop them from getting in front of you because you're going to need that one or two turns, that space to be created for you to get your cage rolling through to be within scoring distance, and it gives you that. Um, I really like Ripper, and I've used him multiple times. I, you know, but again, it's people just don't don't think he's that great because he's because <laughs> he's 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 still got things like loner and stuff like that. But then every big guy does. He gives you oh. what a big guy wants to. He's not got like block or anything like that, um, which would make him obscene, and then he'd be like 100k more. You know, like you're looking yeah. at mods and bobs and stuff. Yeah, block. But I think that's what people say. But he's still really easy to get three dices on. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and if you look at him, he's what he's like basically 160k upgrade on an on a troll. So mm-hmm. if you're playing in like a actually Hurley's last year was was actually 1.16, but if you're playing in like a 1.15, even a 1.12, you basically have to give nothing up and you can upgrade your troll to Ripper effectively. And you need yeah. to find, well, to be fair, you need to find 40k, say it's 50k to get an extra player in. But he's actually quite easy to fit in and then he's a reliable troll that just makes a huge yeah. difference to the team. I mean, it's not, it's not going to give you what it gives to the, the Goblin team. Um, it does make your one-turners a lot more reliable, but then... People say the most one of the most reliable one turners is Ripper with a Doom Diver because you don't have Doom Divers. It, it's kind of negated because you don't know where the Goblin's going to finally go forward or backwards. But you know, not rolling those two dice to start with is huge. It improves your chances so much more on the one turner, so it does make him more valuable for that as well. well that makes perfect sense. Um, and then the next dude, um, it's not that he's rubbish. He's just a bit expensive and he hasn't quite got the skills you want. But it's Farag Gulchua, and it's a bit sad because you know he's kind of like. You know, the, the yin and yang to Griff Overworld. He's like the sort of, you know, evil guy who you always see as his um, nemesis. And it's sad because Griff is so good and, is, and you can mm. build some really good human teams with him. And I've tried to build some teams of Varag and he just sort of doesn't quite fit in. But yeah, he's, he's a movement six, strength four, agility three, armor nine. So he's a strength four blitzer effectively with some decent skills. He's got um, block, jump up, which is really good. Gives him more mobility, mighty blow uh, and thick skull to make him a bit tougher. But then for like 290k, which I think all that, I'm, I'm kind of thinking if he had tackle, for example, for that price, I mean, mm. like, yeah, take him every time. He's just not got, he's not got the skills that you probably then put on a blitzer. So he doesn't add that in. But strength four, like I've looked at using him as a blitzer and you, you do, you do have to drop like either a couple of black orcs or a blitzer, like to fit him in, you yeah. have to drop stuff to get him in, which I think is the Yeah. Key. Well, exactly. As I said, that's the problem. He's iconic. You know, he, when you talk about Blood Bowl, you think that image straight away, orcs versus humans, back to the old days, you know, Brickland Reavers, Gouge Die, Orkland Raiders, you know, he is an iconic player and he's put on the box art, you know, he's supposed to be the equivalent to Zug or Griff. But the problem with Zug and Griff is they give the human team so much more because they give them more versatility. You don't have to lose much to drop fit them in and they give you something you don't have. You either have this amazing, wonderful ball carrier that does everything or you have a strong, uh, like slow ogre um, that can beat people up. Well, he he's not given the orc team much this player because they've already got strength. They've already got bash, bash players. Um, so he's not he, he's adding quite a bit, but for the price, as you said, you're losing stuff you already have to fit him in to do the same job you've already got players doing. He doesn't ch- give you something your team doesn't have already. 
Yeah, if he had a different setup, like he could be, for example, movement seven, or he could, he could, I think he could even be strength five and people wouldn't bat an eyelid and stuff like that. But he could have things like that that would make him different to what you've already got, like you said. If he was a started up blitzer, so say you had a movement seven, agility four, and give him a few skills like that and have him like the orc equivalent of Griff, so he's, he goes, becomes more of your ball carrier, then he would be used a lot more because he's just a, you know, Yes, he's an extra movement six player, and this isn't a fast team, but he's not, he's, you know, he's, he's still only agility free. He's not dodging away that much. You want him in base contact to get those punches, and you're just kind of relying on the things like if he goes knocked down, using jump up to get more blocks in, give you more blocking dice. But again, you can't rely your team build about around player removal. So it's, it's, it's difficult to justify putting him in for that price. I could see myself if I had like 300k down in the league, actually, and it wasn't necessarily a super important game. I could see myself chucking him in, so I think he's quite fun and, he's, and he could be effective in that situation. So he's a hanky-panky, you know, if, if you're in a league. as a league star player more than a tournament star player. So if, you, yeah. if you're missing some things, he can fill that gap, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's Varig. Like I said, it's a bit sad. <laughs> I feel like he should be better for such an iconic yeah. player, but I will yeah. take him to a tournament at some point. I've looked at some bills, and you can fit him in, I'm for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and then last but not least, Morgan Thorg. And like we spoke before in a couple of podcasts about the new Morg, effectively Bob Bifford, who I think is just a better Morg because he's cheaper. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's far too expensive for an all team. He's great. A ogre on crack, move six, strength six, agility three, armor 10 with block is really, really good. But I mean, it's just expensive. You, so. Yeah, you can take him if you take loads of cheap linemen, but then you know, you've got a pretty much movement five team. But, you know, decent armor um and then take a few goblins because he's got friend he's still got for a teammate so if you're looking at a weird chucking roster you know, a few goblins morgue and then a line of armor nine <laughs> it, it can work but it's it's not an orc team then it's just some weird wacky variant but yeah, yeah. but again if you're playing in like a, a some sort of perpetual league where someone's got like a 2000 tv team Oof. or 1000 tv then chuck morgan why not like if you've got the money <laughs> i, I don't think i don't think he makes up that value because if you're playing no. that's, if, you, if you can afford him you're in trouble because the team can <laughs> got, got the skills to deal with him <laughs> well and it's interesting i mean, it, this wasn't an orc situation but um you know i played in a in a canadian league for example where mm. um, i came in fresh with a thousand tv human team um, and my first game was against uh, was against a dwarf team. It was like two thousand something. Um, so I took Morg and Bertha, and I had a uh, one of the old school cards, which was a, I think it was only a two hundred K card actually, but it gave you um, it gave you Groundsman, so it gave you mm-hmm. a um, a death roller that came on from the back as well. So this poor dwarf guy was playing like effectively five big. It was just ridiculous because I had Ogre <laughs> as well. So Ogre, Bertha, sorry, four. It's Ogre, Bertha, Morg, and the Death Roller, and he just couldn't do anything. Like it was hilarious. It was so funny because he had all of his dwarves had guard and might. It's like, cool. So you got two guard players. All my guys are like strength six, strength seven. <laughs> I'm still just going to punch you with block mighty blow. Um, it was it was really funny. So in those sorts of situations, players can be used. And maybe in that situation, if I'd had a thousand TV York team, I probably could have done similar things. Would have had the trial. Yeah. Take a Morg, maybe Barag, like all uh, these Ripper, Ripper and Morg together. Yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, Dan, I think that probably draws a line under the, uh, the orc roster. So mm-hmm. we'll take a quick break here and we'll come back and talk tactics.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast, uh, where we're going to talk about tactics for the Orcs. And I think this is actually going to be one of our more extensive tactical discussions. Sometimes they're a bit shorter, which is weird because surely with Orcs, you just pretty much get the ball, cage up and just walk up the field and that's it, isn't it? It's very simple. <laughs> well, it can be. That can give you some success, but it can only take you so far and you will end up coming into those roadblocks where you've moved your cage to the sideline or you've you know you're i say if you separate your team gets separated and you have your traditional cage and then a screening bit that's now pulled to one side or your movement four players are stuck where they can't age your thriving cage um you you need to know how to rectify that how to you know averse all those those things um orcs do struggle and uh, you hear it all the time because I, I love to- coaching new coaches i always sit them down explain things you want to think about this think about that um and a lot of people when you when they start the game out they do their traditional three by three square you know cross cage and then the opposition just puts players on their their, their cage corners their cage pulls itself apart and they're, they're isolated and they're like well what's the point caging it never works anyway and you, you hear that all the time from new players um it's because they don't know how to support it um so yeah when you talk about orcs you do need to be have a bit of tactical nounce so yeah you can get quite a lot and actually um, there's a good story straight off the bat which i thought was hilarious um and he won't mind me saying it but uh one of the guys from the tvl who's uh chris who's actually now sadly left as he gone out to the midlands um was playing orcs he's actually a pretty decent player but like as in a decent um gaming player he's just quite new to blood Bowl. so yeah and it can be funny and he'd he'd read up and hadn't really seen like the actual picture but he'd read up and talked about caging um, and he was playing against my humans and because I wanted to beat him I was a bit I was a bit of a dick and in the first half I didn't tell him how hilarious the mistake he was making was and then I did actually at half time then say mate this is how you do a cage but he had um, his ball carrier standing in the middle mm-hmm. and then he had uh, a player standing directly in front directly behind directly to the side directly to the side. <laughs> so you could one dice in the corner every single time and I did it like three times and I was like it's going to pick up He's, he's going to realise that he's... Because he just read up how to do a cage. And I think that perfectly illustrates, um, you know, you don't just cage. You've got to know how to cage properly. But, you know, crucially, one of the first points to make uh, with Orcs is cage. Cage up, for sure. They are definitely a team that benefits from caging. And we talked about Kemri, um, which actually aren't a team that people think they should cage up and they shouldn't really. They do more of a loose screen because you just don't mm. want carrot to be tagged in any kind of way. And you've got to make sure that you're screening him off. But Orcs yeah. are tough enough and mobile enough with the ball carriers that the safest place for your ball carriers to just be standing there in between four orcs or potentially five if you build a more of an H cage or something depending on if you're playing against wood elves or, or skinks or things like that where that might be more effective. You know, definitely get that ball carrier tightly within those players and that's the safest place for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I said, I think I've alluded to a couple of times now already, it's trying to get the ball reconnected with the rest of the team so you're working as a unit and then understanding how to do the rolling cage because people know how to cage is how do you get that cage moving how do you not get it bogged in how do you not get it stuck down um people this got dressed right at the beginning of blood bowl so i think back in white dwarf magazines uh like 170 or something like that they actually put orc tactic guides in there where it's just very basic this is a picture these are big square blocks and there's like five bits in there this is that you do it's like das stomp um, here we go, lads. And Dafula, I think I've read this ages ago, so I'm just you know, remembering all this stuff. Um, and it's all about reconnect, move left and right. You know, you've got eight turns. You, you don't want to be scoring early. 
um, and then trying to keep rolling and keep rolling and moving it through. Um, it's quite hard to describe over a podcast because people can't see a board or something like that. So I had a board in front of me. I could easily be able to move pieces around and show them what I was talking about. But it's, again, it's loads of things. There's loads of resources out there where you can read up on how to do it. And it's, you do need to do that. I mean, I had personally had a lot of success with Orcs. It was the, my go-to team. Um, it was the first thing I ever took to a tournament. And in that tournament, I, run, I won Wookiee Runder and come second. Um, so I did really well with them and that's because I, I used all these resources I read all these things on how to play them um, and I had a lot of success with, with Orc so it's, it's definitely something you need to get a mindset and think about how you're going to achieve what you want to achieve with them Yeah and there is a really good um, article that we were talking about earlier um, by bloodballstrategies.com um, about how to move a cage forward and as you said we'll, we'll, we'll try to talk through a couple of different techniques now um, but mm-hmm. it's best off if people can go and sort of read it themselves and I'm going to put a link in the uh, in the notes for this or where people are going to click on the link and go and read up on it. But yeah, there are a few different methods to moving your cage forward, aren't there? And I'm just looking at the headlines here. Um, for example, bypassing the defense completely, uh, looking at going through the defense. Um, and that's through that sort of rolling cage technique, like you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, um, and then two cages offense. And I'm not sure how I, f- I, think I feel about the two cage offense one. We'll talk about the other two in a sec. Because um, I really think that um, when you're playing Orcs, you've got to really commit to your cage. Uh, they're a team that you have to have the right players in it to make it strong. And so trying to build two cages or move it in between cages can, can be dangerous as well. Sometimes it's the option you have to take, but it's difficult to do it without exposing yourself against the more mobile teams. Oh, you know all about exposing yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, it's, no, you are right. It, it's hard to, you know, you don't want to be separated. You don't want to have them wedge themselves between you. So they pull the two cages apart. That's where it goes wrong. Um, but you can have like a double bank cage. So you have your cage corners and then you have players stood one square directly in front of that cage corner for you to move forward and bash into. And then it kind of gives you like a, a foreskin for your shaft sort of thing. So it gives you that delivery <laughs> system of moving the ball forward safely within the cage. And that's the type of mentality you want to be thinking about. Um, yeah, so you're I, right. always, I definitely do that. That's how I roll my cage forward. I like to build the cage um, sort of quite far back and then, and then push players out and punch through with that in order to create sort of like an extra a second screen. And then in each turn, and I, like, I think I probably generally like to go through defences with Orcs. I don't want to get pigeonholed on the side in any way because I just get completely stymied. So I like to try and move through the middle and yeah. use my, you know, my Black Orcs and Line Orcs if I've got them right up in front marking people up because they're probably going to try and dodge away. And even then you're making them move back. And then every turn even in the early three, four turns, if you're only moving one of one square two, preferably, but only like one square forward by just doing that, you're making progress. You're only trying to get, if you've got your blitzer carrying the ball within six squares, basically, by turn mm-hmm. eight. If you're within six squares by turn eight and you've got enough player to then punch through, then that's a good position to be in. You don't have to, you know, people think they've got to try and get around their opponents really quickly. With Orcs, that's just not the case. You're not going to do that. You're going to grind forward very slowly. Sometimes you'll stay still and sometimes you can't move and it's better yeah. to just get slightly better jockeying for position for the next turn and not move. And people, I think, panic and they think, I, and that's when their cage can fall apart. They'll think, I need to move my cage forward. So they might move it to the side and, ex- and leave it exposed. You know, it's not good to have a cage. And, and I think this is where people go wrong, like we're talking about getting all the corners marked up. It's really, mm. really not good just to have a cage completely by itself where all yeah. the corners are exposed and the rest of your team away because that's what will happen. And then you've got to extricate your ball carrier next turn and try and make them safe. And that's where it goes wrong, isn't it? Exactly that, yeah. It's that fr- front screen bashing up through the front screen and working. So Necro are quite good at this because they've got the flesh golems. Then they put them forward, 
bash through and they try and do that kind of rolling <laughs> and I'm doing I'm doing um, hand gestures again <laughs> doing that rolling through <laughs> um, of play type of play and orcs do that very well where they, they can get the strength for wedge it in bash through with blitzer wedge more players in get the troll in there hopefully and then you're running through wherever your ball carrier is um, I wouldn't say you have to go route one centre square of the centre line um, you can push or left and right, but you don't want to be stuck on the sideline because that's when you get boxed in. Um, I've done it quite successfully where you, I've wedged players in on that four square, you know, the, you know, the, the wings of, of the pitch. So you, the four squares in, I think it's called a wing, if I remember correctly. Um, if you can wedge your cage in there and trap some of your opponents to the sideline and surf a couple of them, Orcs excel because they're so slow when their opposition are down on numbers or you've got them on their backsides because then you, they don't have anyone stood in front of you. you the problem with, with Orcs, why they suffer, well, that's why they're classed as a lower tier one team because good elf players can stop them because they just put players in double bank in front of them and then you're not going anywhere. You need to know how to deal with a double bank. Um, and I think that's in those strategy guys that you mentioned earlier about how to, how to uh, tackle, uh, well, with <laughs> how to uh, um, get past the double bank defence. Yeah, where they're just going to like dodge away from you all the time. It's super annoying. But that brings it, um, you know, onto one of um, our sort of next principles, and we've talked about it already in the players um, that builds really into this rolling cage and moving through their defence, which is you know about maximising your blocks and taking the right blocks. Um, because, and as we've already said, it's and we'll stress it again, it's not necessarily about removing players. Um, that's not necessarily what you're trying to do. It's great, like you said, if you get up men because you've got that armor nine, you're hopefully going to win that traditional battle. And throwing lots and lots of bots can be a good way to do that. The more blocks you throw, the more chances you've got of it. But it's yeah. about putting the opponents down. If your opponent's on the ground, and people often, I've heard people curse when they're like, oh, it's just a stun. I'm like, sometimes that's great. Like if you put yeah. a player out for two turns and he's stunned, you can have really, that you can just bypass them and get them stuck behind you. As long as you're putting them on their backs and preferably break an armor, but you know, doing something to them, um, that's what's going to allow you to move that cage forward. And I think that's what we're talking about, you know, with, um, with Black Orcs. It's just being careful with them. You ideally want those four blitzers to be throwing the, throwing the blocks if they can, or the Black Orcs once they've got blocked, because that gives you statistically more likely to put people down. And then move the Black Orcs up, and as you said, ram them in where they can then tie people up. But preferably not throw blocks, but some of them will. Don't, don't not throw blocks with Black Orcs. You've got three rerolls, and yeah. you're probably going to use those three rerolls. Or Black Orc blocks, let's face it, that's probably what they're going to be used for. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the Black Orc... It... I know we haven't talked about what skills you give them and stuff like that, but most of the time, if you can, if you can skill spam, they're just all block. And then you've got eight players reliable with block, armor nine, wedged in, um, and, and, doing, and doing what they do. Um, but it's, you know, they are the thing that you need to think about when you think about your rolling cage. Because then most of the time, you kind of want them to be your cage corners, but then if they're your cage corners, people can come around, put a player on them. If you, know, if, if you go down, you're only getting standing up and moving one square forward. They, they slow you down. So I kind of, kind of use them, as you were alluding to before, as the players in front of my cage corners to, to burst through, make the line. So I, I would give them block in a tournament or something, a tournament build, have them do the blitz once they've got the, the reliability of block to make that space, move them forward in, and then move the cage in behind the, the black box. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, and having um having a double bank in front, and I'm looking at the diagrams here now, and you can you can go and look at it when I link it up, listeners. 
um, where you've got a player di stood directly in front of the front cage corners and mm -hmm. basically to shift if players try and come in and mark those corners you kind of don't mind so much if they mark the back corners because you can you can leave them behind or leave people stuck but you want to be moving forward and you can use them to block them away um, so I kind of see it as I might actually have my Blackhawks as the front two and then the ones in front of them could be blitzers to block people away so the Blackhawks can then move up and, and you can roll through like that what Black Orcs, that was what, what Orcs do, um, as I say, for rookie coaches, is that it gives them a wrong way of playing most teams. So that's why when they move away from Orcs, they really struggle. Is because Orcs allow you to jam players in and then you still end up winning the blocking battle because your players aren't getting removed. You stand up and then you normally outstrength your opponent and you get more blocks and more blocking dice. And people think that's how every team plays. Um, so it can give you some bad, bad things, but... Any good orc coach, you want to be winning that block. You want to be throwing more dice. You want to know how to achieve that. Um, there are good articles out there. Tackle Zone um, do a good one about how to start winning back the blocking battle, um, about how to push players forward and talk about tackle zones and stuff like that. Um, yeah. As an orc coach, you know you need to know how to achieve those blocks. You need to know how to wedge players in. Um, trap him within your strength if you knock a player down and you've got two black orcs stood either side of him so he's not standing up and dodging away if he stands up he's going to punch down again um and then you've took a player out out, out as you said creating more scaps less people in front of you so you can roll that cage forward it's you know they, they give you so much tactically to think about orcs or you can just play without a brain and just get to get blocks in <laughs> yeah yeah um i think there's probably two more things i want to talk about um in terms of offense and then we'll talk about defense and those two things are about, um, first of all, uh, sort of grinding up the pitch and playing turns properly and making mm -hmm. sure that you're really managing your turns. And then secondly, talking about overcommitting your team because they're, they're quite yeah. slow. Um, so first of all, you know, that sort of playing to the turns, of, as I've already alluded to, and I think it's just sort of bringing it into a more of a subtitle, um, but is that you don't need to pile on super, super fast. Um, the first three, four turns, you can be being quite conservative, quite slow if you're not getting it. It's even... It's, you've got, even got more speed than dwarves. It's even more of a dwarf tactic. But if, you're, if you've still got the ball at the end of your turn, it's been a good turn, I would say. Um, and the ball's safe. Like, if the ball's safe at the end of the turn, as long as you're not moving back and back and back, then it's been a good turn. Um, so whether that's slightly jockeying sideways or preferably moving forward one or two squares, that's still a good turn. Um, mm -hmm. And you want to manage those first three to four turns before then having a big push later on. Hopefully, you're going to remove people. Um, you're going to have isolated people by doing like what we've been discussing, putting them on their asses and breaking their team up. Uh, and that's the sort of tactic you want to use. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And I've seen so many great coaches use orcs to great effect because a lot of people you know, start off with them, don't do too well. So there's different styles. You've either got SCSN sort of in your face, smashing as many blocking dice. He's really good at getting those blocking dice, but then he's trapping you on the floor and, and doing that. Or you've got your tactical players like um, CT, Jumanji, Lycos. I've played against all them using, using Orcs. Um, and, or seen them play, sorry. And they are doing exactly what you just said there. Perfectly moving players around to where they need to be. Thinking about you know, two or three turns ahead. How am I going to create that space? How am I going to get through? If you can think of it, that because it's like chess. You know, you're thinking, how am I going to achieve what I want in the next turn? Not just, how do I get two dice here? How do I get two dice here? Because that's how, when you find your team getting pulled apart. So you're thinking about what can I achieve in the next turn or what can I make my opponent place him to counter what I'm doing because then how I'm going to achieve a counter against that. Um, you know, if, that's why I think you probably like this team because they, they give you everything that you, to your style, how you like to play. Um, 
it's, yeah, it's just like that. And and that's what um, and I think it's it's worth saying to the listeners. You know, stalling is not a dirty word. People think, mm. and some of the DBLers say as well. They're like, oh, that's like a cheesy thing to do, and people coming into football thinking it's not at all. It's a tactic they use. And teams like Orcs, and that's my problem with the thrower as well, because teams like Orcs, it's fun to play like that. And if you play against mm. your opponent effectively, and your opponent's enjoying the game of trying to stop you from stalling and getting into you and doing it, that's that's the tactics of blood bowl. That's what playing blood bowl is. Like if you just run up and chuck the ball to somebody and score in two turns as orcs, you're going to lose. Um, yeah. Effectively. So it's and and your opponent plays effectively, and that's not fun for anybody. You're looking to grind up the pitch, use the orc strengths to their advantage, kill your opponent, bash up, grind, and then get the ball in as as late in the half as you can. That's that for me is fun, and I think people mm. shouldn't be afraid of that. And to anyone telling you, oh, you're stalling, it's, it's who cares? Like you, you know, that's you can't be. Cl- called a good blood bowl player if you don't know how to manage the clock you know you don't need to know all the statistics and all what dice rolls is and what's the percentage and chance of that is you kind of have a pecking order of how you plan your turnout and then you think how am i going to achieve this using the right amount of turns to stop my opponent giving them a chance to score back because as i said like people who play against orcs they know they can give you two or three turns and you're not they could probably defend you and you're not likely to score if you don't have that one turn threat um because you know, orcs are slow and, and they need to plan that and have that long drive. So if, if, if that's what you know you need, then that's what you give yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, just getting up there, Frank, because I'm what I would class as a fun blah, blah, player. I enjoy playing it because it's fun and I think people enjoy playing against me. Mm. Um, and it's not a dickish thing at all to stall necessarily. And sometimes, mm. you know, and that's the thing, it can be fun if you're playing in a more fun league or a friendly where you might get up to turn six or something and go, you know what, I'm going to score now to give you a, give you a couple of turns chance. And that can be, if you're well, playing somebody, that could be fun. But don't give them more yeah. than three or four turns because they will. You know, if you yeah. give it some LP team, they will score. Um, yeah, I so. mean, yeah, winning is fun and all that kind of stuff. But then when you're looking at that, league plays a bit different because elves can do that thing where they can pass the ball to each other and start generating SPP every now and then. I'll get a player point on here, I'll get a point on here, point on here, and get more skills. Orcs struggle to get SPP. They don't start off with Mighty Blow and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So they're not guaranteed to get loads of casualties. They're not scoring lots of touchdowns. They're not, and if, you're, if your league isn't too long, you're not generating a lot of SPP. So stalling, is the, that's the thing where people think there is like, I'm stopping myself now because the opposition can say, right, well, I'll just let you have this half and I'll just try and draw and then win other games that are more easy and suit it to me. And I'll just keep my players alive and just have them on the other side where you're not bothering me. Um, or I've had it before where I was stalling with um, uh, Orcs versus Skaven the, the one side's completely crumpled. I got my, my ball care through to their end. There's a few turns where I was like, okay, I'll just sit here. And because he had the speed and stuff like that, he, he, I had a few, play, a few players that were straggling behind and he just picked on them. And he just concentrated on fouling those players off and getting them off the pitch. And then when the second half, I was players down with Orcs, which you don't want to be. And I was yeah. like, all oh, right. And then he, he won the game because he, he ta- he'd done it tactically right. He defend, he, the, the things you can do against the stall players where you just try and pick people off. Um, and he'd you know, done that to me perfectly. So it's... It's, it's, again, you need to know how to stall. It's yeah, a skill. and that's what I've said. I've already said out front. That's why ball handling is literally for girls. Uh, it is not what your orcs want to be doing. You don't want to be, you know, you're treating the ball as like some kind of greased up prostitute that's going to slip out of your hands. You've got to hold it really carefully. Um, and you just want to pick it up, not do anything with it, and then walk it very, very slowly up to the end zone and then put it down at the end of the game. You know, you don't want to be throwing it around. Stuff. And, that's, and I think that's why the throw is kind of dangerous, almost dangerous for new players, because I think, oh my God, he's got pass, I could throw. 
um, and it's just going to go wrong. <laughs> that's what I would say. Um, but yeah, the last thing I was talking about, um, you know, about not overcommitting, and that segues, I think, from offence into defence as well. The overcommitting side with Orcs is, it comes down to their speed and the fact that they're so slow um, and they can get put out of a position really easily by opponents. So on the offence side, we've already alluded to it, that's where I was saying about not committing too far up one side. And I think you agree, but, you know, you can for sure jockey up, um, mm. you know, and pin people against the side. Um, but then in defence, it's even more important to make sure that you stay central and don't suddenly rush all your players over to one side. Because now, if you're, even against like Undead or something with multiple goals, they'll suddenly just switch the player and run over the other way and you're completely yeah. out of position and then you've lost a couple of turns and, and they're going to grind it up. Yeah, I mean, in defence, what you find is your strength is stuck in the middle because it hasn't got the speed to move left or right. So your Blackhawks and your Troll as your front, front five, holding them, stopping them from getting into the centre of the pitch. So you're forcing them to commit to a wing. Um, you're, you normally have, have two blitzers either side. Um, and it, you've, got to, you've got to constantly think, it's going to take me two turns to defend a side fully. Um, so if they're pushing down one side heavily, you've got to move to the centre line. You know, movement six, movement to the centre line if they're not getting stuck. To get involved in the game a turn ahead. And I say new players, rookie players, don't think like that. They just think man-to-man marking. I've got him. I've got him against him. Him against him. They don't think. Well, that's where he's obviously pushing to. So I need to get bring someone around the back as a sweeper, and then come come around that way to again get in front of that player to stop them moving forward and try and pin them against the sidelines. Um, and then if they switch the play on you and go back the other way, again, you know, it's going to take you two turns to get back the other way. So if they're you know gutter runners and have that ridiculous movement, or you know, as I was alluding to before with skinks, where you can move eighteen squares, if you're not leaving a, at least a sweeper player on that center line you're not dealing with it it's it's hard you need to think where is my speed where's my movement and what is my opponent trying to achieve in his next turn so how do i how do i defend against it and in a way um particularly a player a way i play against the agility teams is you have to assume they're going to score because mm-hmm. for example skaven if skaven wants to score in two turns against orcs it's particularly early on with no attack or anything they're going to do it they're going to score and that's great for you. If they score in a couple of turns, ideal. Now you've got six turns and you should be, well, yeah, six turns, you should be able to get four, seven if they've scored in there too. Um, you should be able to win two, one. Um, so that's often a tactic you use. And this is where the sort of um, removals do come in. Because um, it's not necessarily that you're looking for removals. It's that you're trying to bring that fear factor into your opponent's head. So, for example, say you're playing uh, Wood Elves um, and you want them to score quickly. Um, if you can get a wall dancer on the ground, just surround him and just don't even play the ball, just kick him in the head every single turn and your opponent's going to score because <laughs> if you're kicking a wall dancer in the head every turn, at some point he's going off the pitch and you might be dead. Yeah. So, you know, you have to put that fear factor into the opponent. It's not, you're not playing to remove players. You're playing to make your opponent think about whether they, their team can take the damage. Um, so you've got to try and track players, get them stuck in between things, punch them as much as you can and yeah, just, just kick them. Sometimes you just let people go around you. Um, try and yeah. I, I often do a tactic where, like, and, and we talked about moving from side to side on the pitch, um, where I don't move all the way to one side because also then I can get back. And I leave yeah. actually sort of maybe two, three squares gap because even the super fast teams can only get a few players through that gap around you. Um, and then they're kind of isolated behind you and then you can close them off. And then they're there with the ball, fine. Um, and they're sort of running around behind you and that's fine if they want to stall. Then you then just start pressuring up on the rest of their team and kicking them um, yeah. that can be a really effective tactic yeah I say people who whinge about people running the clock down and stalling don't know how to 
play against it. You know, the, the, there are things, as, as you just alluded to there, that you can do to to force your opponent to score. You don't have to be put in, you don't have to be able to get to the ball carrier. You just have to be able to get to the rest of his team or, or, or some a, a choice piece player that you want to. Um, again, Skaven, they aren't, they're not going to be doing the typical elf stall because what elf stalling is, is where you get all your players through, you have a large screen and in front of another screen and they can just shrink and dodge out, shrink, dodge out, shrink, dodge out and eat up the turns that way. Um, Skaven don't have that because their linemen are getting stuck and agility, uh, armor seven, agility three, hopefully there are failing dodges and not providing a screen or you're smashing to the floor and eating them alive and giving you SVP that you want. Um, so yeah, it's, it's knowing the team and knowing what to do to counteract what they're doing against you. I'm happy for, as I say, I'm happy for some of the stall against, uh, to, to sort that against me and just go for the draw. Orcs do tend to draw a lot, but then they're in a league, they're giving you SPP if they're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And actually getting three or four draws as Orcs is, is quite common. And they're yeah. not a team that's going to win every single game. Um, and let's just sort of finally talk about a couple of setups on defense. I think it's probably worth doing. So I have a, I have a favorite that, um, I use and um, people don't necessarily think to do it because I think there's two ways to go with it particularly if you're playing um, if they're going to be hitting you and you're playing like a high strength team or a killie team uh, that's mm-hmm. when you're chucking up those line orcs um, and your least important black orcs probably and they're the ones you probably only make three on the line spread out so they can't hit too many of you but if you're playing a lower strength team um, particularly agility team or those sort of hybrid match teams like Brett's humans even dwarves i'd probably use this setup as dwarves probably two or less guard as well they could really struggle and if you're taking the troll if you just stick the troll up in the middle all four black orcs so all five are on the line and then you know you put a couple of blitzers one back so they can't get around the black orcs to um to, to get in and they literally can't throw a block against you and it's hilarious watching a bash team going shit i can't actually block here and then you're putting huge amounts of pressure on them on their defense straight away because they can't come through yeah that's Definitely a brilliant tactic. And the, the best person to watch doing that is Andy Davo. So if you go to his YouTube channel and look, you know, he's got playlists and you go back to his, um, uh, his playlist of champions, champions run with orcs and stuff like that. He does exactly that. As you said, S- solid wall in front of, front of himself doesn't allow you to get the blocks on the corners Cause that's what people make mistakes with. They put their like four strength, four players up front, but then they have, people attack them from the sides and it just generates more space, more space for them to get the, the blocks they need on your strength players. Then you're, all your strength players are on the floor and they're not going anywhere and they're, they're isolated and trapped then. Um, so what you do is you stop them from doing that. And if they do manage to hit you down, you've been knocked down into your own line, but they can stand up and still be useful the next turn and not getting isolated. Um, so yeah, that's a very good defensive thing. But then again, the teams you are going to struggle at, as I alluded to before, is when you get stuck in your backfield. You know, they're ha- more than happy for you to do that because then you've got five, six, seven players up near the front. They do a deep kick on you. You're only running back with three players and then they've got their witch elves or war dancers or gutter runners flooding around your lines, pressing you in the back. Foot. And that's the most scariest time for orcs. It's, you know, I've got my, I've got my three players at the back, probably a, a, a thrower that hasn't even got to the ball or turn one to retrieve yeah. it. <laughs> and the ball's still on the floor and you've got some speedy bastard chasing behind you and you just imagine this all just legging it like, no! No, that's the truth. Quite often um, on a, when I'm doing my offense, I'll have quite a few players back, particularly against those agility teams. Um, I'll have mm. like the, whoever I'm going to pick it up with plus maybe four, you know, four back from the line so they can move forward or come back if needs be because yeah you just you do not want to be in a situation where it's like your thrower or blitzer whoever you're picking up like 
on your back line holding the ball with like four gutter runners bearing down then that's that's a bad situation yeah. uh, so you, you've got to think about who you're playing and orcs are, are flexible enough to do that that's why they're one of the very strongest teams um, and yeah, maybe I mean, they're so forgiving yeah but that's really true that's the, that's the um, offense but in def- defense yeah it's you kind of don't mind giving up the court, the sides a little bit because if you are going to let them through, because for you to do what you're suggesting, you've got the front five up, strengthening out, and you've got players just at that one square behind, which people don't tend to do because of the quick snap. Yeah. Quick snap, so, so it, can be, it can be bad, but I don't really care. Like, if they want to ram more players in, but basically, if you, if you end up in a situation where everybody's based and you're orcs, there's very few teams where that's bad for you. Uh, yeah, so, if you can draw your opponent to do it, then it's great. Like, yeah. And sometimes I've had opponents being like, uh, oh, well, you know, you set up like that. And I managed, I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then you ended up in a brawl with me and you're Bretonians. And then I won. And that's why I won, actually. Yeah. Like, you got drawn into it. You used your dauntless. And, and I made you throw all those dice. And, and that's often a thing. They're kind of an anti blood ball team, those orcs. If you make your opponent throw extra dice and they fuck it up and then they win, yeah. great. That's <laughs> <You know? laughs> funny. You're durable, durable bleh, words. You're, you're durable, durable, so you can you can absorb those blocks, stand up, block back, and win the blocking battle. Yeah. Pardon me. And that goes back to what we said at the beginning about mm. taking those blocks. And I don't want to listen to think that we're contradicting ourselves. We're not at all. Um, you've, you've got to throw lots of blocks with an old team. It's just the right blocks because your yeah. black old boppers, your bobs, without block to start with. Um, it's a it's a delicate thing. It's how you grow the team. Once once that backcourt's got block, I'll be throwing blocks all the time because your statistics are so much better. But early on, he's very much a robot blocker, and you've got to think about where to throw the blocks. But you need yeah. to throw blocks because you've got to get the SP. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, and they haven't got claw and things like that. And you're not going to be doing loads of fouling early on necessarily. So you're not going to have a deep bet and stuff. Like you're only really going to gang foul a really important player. Um, so yeah, there's not a lot of early removal with orcs, and you've got to get that attritional battle. Um, mm. I think that uh, probably covers most of the tactics. Have we got anything else we need to discuss with the orc strategy and tactics? Well, what we didn't cover is what you were saying, don't do, don't do. Um, orcs do give you an option for a little bit of fun. So if you don't want to play traditional, I'm, I'm trying to win as many games as possible. People that are trying to take stunty teams who just want to play for the fun of it. Um, if you do take a couple of goblins as a flat, um, what we haven't talked about is when you're rolling your cage up one side and you are carrying with a thrower and he does have like things like accurate, um, goblins are running up the other side of the pitch on their own. You know, it is a viable tactic for you to switch play that way where you chuck the ball to them and then they do have access to catch and diving catch. So if you give a goblin diving catch, it's like you're passing to an elf. Yeah. And then he can just dodge away and score. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, there, are, there are ways of playing differently. So it, like, people don't like dwarfs because they're so set in one way of play. You, know, you are going to grind cage, grind cage, grind cage, and that's all you're facing. Orcs do give you that, oh, well, that's not working now. What do I do? Um, do, I, do I, how, how am I going to combat that? You know, a thrower can chuck to a blitzer, can chuck to a goblin on the other side of the pitch, and then you start driving up the other side. Um, so it's not advisable, you know, because statistically it's not going to work as much as, as the traditional way of playing, but you can do it. And I think, I think that's worth uh, nodding our heads to that. And yeah, there is quite an effective tournament build actually where you go for four goblins and ripper uh, and four blitzers. So it's all quite quick because it's all moving six and they've got ripper yep. to sort of um, pivot around. Um, and that can be an extremely effective build. I've seen it used. I've tried using it and I didn't go that way with me, but I think I was a bit unhappy. <laughs> uh, but I've seen it used quite effectively. Um, and it's lots of fun, actually. Mm. And, move, and as we've spoken about on other podcasts, movement is what wins your games at Blood Bowl. 
Um, so with orcs, traditionally, you, you're trying to stop your opponent from moving to win. Yep. If you can exactly. throw in movement six goblins that allows you to actually play the movement battle yourself, then that is, that, that you can see cogs wearing how that's a, a viable tactic. Mm. But yeah, traditionally, don't do that if you want to be competitive. <laughs> um, but certainly consider he's only 40k having one on the bench uh, for that throw teammate. Um, and he can be useful on an offense or defense, as we said, for tagging ball carries, dodging through, um, or for then sli slipping through on the other side and you can just chuck the ball up. And it makes your opponent think, doesn't it? Yeah. Right, Dan. I think that uh, brings to a conclusion the Orc tactics section. We'll take uh, another quick break here and we'll come back and talk about leads. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast, um, where we're now going to move on to talking about orcs in a league environment. And um, yeah, I must apologize to listeners. Usually we tend to delve a little bit into the fluff and the teams and the hobby side of it because, you know, we do, uh, we do fill this out to various teams around London, um, which is nice. Um, and we didn't do that at the beginning of the podcast this time. So Dan and I are now going to talk a quick bit about more the fluff and hobby side because actually I think that does come into the league side mostly. Um, and we'll just tip our hats down to um, you know, the fact that we both, you play in the ECB as well now, don't you? You just have problems yep. on Tuesdays. Yeah, I'm in both, I'm in both, le both leagues, yeah. You bloody work on Tuesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> not at the moment. And no, we're not doing anything. But anyway, yeah. um, so we both play in the ECBBL and the DBL, which are the kind of two main London leagues now. Um, yeah, I think they're both fantastic. And they both got um, quite different approaches to the game, which I love. I, I kind of really like that there's different play styles and different things you can do. Um, and I would say it's... It's kind of hard to pigeonhole it because there are some fantastic hobbyists and painters in the ECBBL. I would just say that broadly the DBL is more focused on the fluff and there are more people who, who like the fluff and hobby side of it, aren't there? Yeah, definitely. And, and relating it to Orcs, that's one of the reasons why you come back and play this team. When you first get into Blood Bowl, the, the iconic imagery and everything else around it, Orcs have been around since first edition and you know, they've got their own style, smashed up helmets, the, the, the names that you can create and the fluff you can create around the franchise of Orcs. So they've got Orcadas, which is like, you know, Adidas, just literally ripped off. <laughs> you know, it, the Orcs just fit the part, and, and you can come up with some brilliant brands, brilliant names, player names, history. And then when you get into it, I mean, I remember when I first started playing in a league over in Swindon, um, and I actually didn't think I would, but I actually did enjoy coming up with like a backstory for my team, and I had a, you know, all the player name creation and stuff like that. And I start, I don't, you know, I'm dyslexic, I don't really like writing things down, but I did start writing a little novelette on um, how the this orc was trying to manage this rundown orc team, and the stadium's falling apart, and he spent all his money on worthless goblins, and trying to fix it up, and all the, the the staff around the stadium were ex players that all hated him. You know, it's it's just you know, orcs are a very fluffy team, so yeah, it's definitely fitting into the blood bowl. Yeah, um, I mean, orcs are, orcs are synonymous with um, with games of Workshop, really, aren't they? I mean, actually, mm. you know, kind of little known facts that this style of orcs came before World of Warcraft. Like, Games Workshop kind of changed the Tolkien style of orcs into this. You know, they're kind of more apish, more they've got the kind of jutting out jaw style that, you know, Tolkien didn't really have. Tolkien had the, they, they were kind of uh, descended from the elves. They were like warped elves and they were, they were evil. But the, yeah. these orcs are kind of like this kind of, 
stupid, like kind of backwater tribal type thing. It's very much like a Games Workshop thing. It's been synonymous all the way through, you know, from fantasy and then into 40K where they added in a K just to make it 40K. Um, and then it's <laughs> a Blood Bowl as well. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the teams. I mean, I actually, I really do like the Games Workshop team. Um, mm. I don't like the Black Orcs very much. Um, I, the team as a general, I like the aesthetics. Um, and I think yeah. the blips are really cool. And I think generally the models are cool. Um, I just think that you have to think about how you paint them because it isn't obvious actually which ones the black horse are because they're all they're all kind of a similar size the black horse are just a bit bigger and when you're playing in a darkened pub with a couple of pints down mm. your throat you're like oh is that a black horse which you know and the old school the original teams are like the uh, was it second and well they, they did a second and a third edition team oh, yeah, the, the first edition were the the kind of walked like an egyptian plastic they all kind of look the same line ones. people love those um, yeah, <laughs> but, but these black orcs much more in the style of the kind of I'm thinking chaos dwarf esque ones with the kind of horns. Um, really, like if you think of the old school plastic uh, black orcs yeah. like that in fantasy, that was like the style of black orcs, and they were really obviously black orcs because they had those helmets and they kind of made sense. Um, and I think they slightly made a mistake with that in the team. Overall, I love it, but I think when I tend to, so when I painted my team up at the moment, I basically just painted all my black orcs with like white helmets, like obviously beaten up and cracks, but white helmets and white bits on their arm plates and stuff. So it's quite obvious that they're different to the other guys. Yeah, it's the armor plating that hides the aesthetics of the model because black orcs stand out because of the skin color. You paint them a bit darker, they're larger, the, the model should be a lot bigger. Um, because of the new 2016 black orc models, they just they just don't stand out from from the linemen and stuff like that because they're all just so beefy and covered in armored plates and stuff. So the things that you normally associate with what a blackout looks like, and that, yeah, that's the only piece that really lets the the, the new team down. But um, I say that was my, the first team I painted in. It got me back into modeling and and, and, and actual playing the games in over twenty years. So um, I, I, I am. I the last thing to say before, because we're going to look at some third-party ones, because there are some really mm -hmm. good third-party teams out there, is that, um, and they are going up in price, but the Games Watcher team is fantastic value because it's such mm -hmm. good quality plastic. And it's like 20 quid at the moment if you buy from Games Watcher, 16 quid from Independence. And I think yeah. we've not got confirmation, but it's only going up to something like 25 from Games Watcher, probably 20 from Independence. And still, and we're going to now, most of the third-party ones are sort of 50 quid plus, And you do get the full team. And, that, and I think that's how you have to look at it. Like, Actually, you only get two Blackhawks in the Games Workshop thing, and you're probably going to have to buy two teams to get it. But at the moment, that's still only 40 quid, which is, you know, some of the uh, independent ones, fantastic as they are, like 80, 90 quid. Um, yeah, I mean, so you, get, you do get value for money and lots of extra miniatures, like you said before, to create chainsaws and do all sorts of cool conversions. Well, when we move on to talk about team selection and stuff like that, I can guarantee neither of us will probably come up with a roster that only has two black orcs in it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and, it, you know, it's worth saying, you know, Jimbo fucking hates that. He thinks it's shit that they don't have all the positionals. And I, I do sort of agree with him. I think that um, it would be better if they had all of the things available. Um, but I can sort of see why they've done it and the fact they've kept them cheap. I kind of, I kind of let them off because if you buy yeah. two boxes, you get 24 players and you can fill out your team as you want. You've got conversion bits. Like, I, I don't hate that. Like, I think it's fine. It, it's a starter set, and it was yeah. always meant to be. I think, so, I, think, yeah. I would agree with that. Cool. Let's dive into the um. Let's dive into sort of independent teams that are available to us. Okay. Um. Well, starting off, then I probably would say looking at the Spanish companies. Spanish companies love kicking out third-party teams. Um. And we got a new one called Franark Franarxilia. Franarxilia. Chilla. Yeah. Probably butchering the pronunciation of that. Um, <laughs> I, I found it on on Facebook um, 
but unfortunately he kind of advertises miniatures over um, Instagram, which I'm not on. That's more of like a, a painter's hobbyist sort of world. Um, but if you go onto Instagram, the, the bloke's name who runs the company is um, Fran Lopez Rodriguez. Uh, I can't roll my eyes like you can. And I actually quite like the aesthetic of this um, orc team. There's, there's, there's a lot more flesh to paint and obviously you want to be painting green, green flesh and stuff Lots like that. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the look of them is kind of, as you said, like when you think of the movies for Lord of the Rings, because orcs, as you've mentioned earlier, are in every franchise. So they do have lots of different looks and different aesthetics. And I think I said earlier in this podcast, you can get all different branding. So Maori, bikers and, all this, and the rest of it. But um, this new team that he's currently producing, I think look quite smart. And the only thing is, I don't know how big the models are. So I don't know what I would scale up with, with other teams' models and, uh, or players' models and stuff like that. Um, they, you're right they do look nice they're quite um sort of thuggish aren't they we'll put yeah. a i'll try and put a link to um the instagram in um in the, the chat and people can go and have a look at them um, no i think they're really cool and they've got enough variation and like i said yeah. i do like a lot of skin and it's weird um i like a lot of skin um, <laughs> but, it, but it's often weird isn't it with orcs like you see them as like a a tough team but not necessarily from like loads and loads and loads of armor and games which have actually gone the other way they put all the armor on and that's the kind of aesthetic they've gone for but yeah. often, you know, in the old school fantasy games, they were like kind of running around naked and they were just quite tough and hard to kill, but didn't have like high armor. But Orcs, you know, in the Games Workshop team, for sure, have got a lot of armor. And the teams we're going to go and look at now have probably got yeah. more armor, haven't they? So well, like the Green yeah. Games one, for example. I, I was going to quickly cover the, um, the goblins because you didn't see a picture of those because it keeps timing out, unfortunately. But um, yeah, the goblins are very night, uh, night goblin aesthetic. So they've got the hoods over them and stuff as well. Oh, so yeah. they do look, do look quite nice. Um, but okay, so moving on, because um, I think we'll leave the big two to last because that's what everyone's talking about at the moment. Yeah, what, what's sure. coming up? Um, so everyone in Blood Bowl has probably heard the name Pedro Ramos before. Um, he worked with so many companies. He's a brilliant artist and sculptor, and he does a lot with with, um, with a lot of teams or making miniatures for tournaments and stuff like that. Um, he's actually working with a Spanish company called Hogs War, um, and uh, at the moment, they're at the concept art, art stage. So I'm bringing up a, a, a picture now of what he's producing for the Black Orcs and stuff. He has sculpted some models, and that has been on Facebook, so people might have seen it. Um, but again, they are what you were referring to before with the third Ed Orcs. Um, he's gone back to that classical mixture between brutality and sort of Viking-looking helmets. and, and that Yeah, kind with of the stuff. horns. I like the horns on the helmet. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah and I think that the heads on these models are going to be absolutely huge. <laughs> so they kind of, <laughs> yeah. they kind of look like bobbled-headed um, warriors and stuff, but they will be quite quite brutal-looking. So that might be something to keep an eye on. But that's due. They were before COVID on it kicked off, due for um, summer this this year. Um, but at the moment, I know he's been working on like the the, the toilet roll goblin for charity, um, and he's working on Cinnamon Team and a um, Princess Bride sort of costed. Ah, what was that you said there? A simian team. A simian team. Very yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, uh, yeah, I always refer to simians as I can. I'm still working away at my simians. I've got, I've got to get hold of um, a handful more um, uh, ghoul models to properly convert, yeah. convert the team. But I could use them as orcs, definitely. And I think, I think that's what people have been talking about. You could do a simian team that could be used as orcs for sure. Yeah. That, well, that's why, that's why I first thought when I saw the models that he's been working on. Um, they're with. PBNJ Studios, 
um, who's producing those Simeon team at the moment. And as you said, yeah, they can be used as orcs because they just look so brutal. Um, yeah. I just don't know how you'd paint green grillers. So. <laughs> Well, you could give them green armor. Actually, that's what I'm doing with my simians. My simians are like green and yellow armor. And mm. then, but then like monkeys, obviously. Yeah, Pedro, those look fucking awesome. Right, should we move on to the last couple? Uh, well, yeah, the big two. Um, and this is what everyone's kind of talking about at the moment because it's all over social media. They're, they're blatantly battering it out with each other. So you've got Willy Miniatures and Grebo Games. And if you know anything about third-party miniatures, you know about these two companies. Yeah. Um, with Willy... Uh, miniatures unfortunately they don't have the kickstarter of the models they're producing up on their site so you have to go to facebook to see it on social media um what people are sharing but i think that the miniatures look absolutely cool because uh most of my adult life i had played a game called world of warcraft and these are very world of warcraft they're literally you could what you imagine on the screen when you're playing it is what these are except for the troll the troll's a bit weird because he's missing a nose so he looks some some sort of yeah, giant evil yeah. vampire fish thing um <laughs> But the, the figures themselves are absolutely stunning. Like the, the detail. Way, yeah, they've gone the other way. They've got smaller heads, mm. um, which is, like you said, very World of Warcraft, like because they've got yeah. huge traps and shoulders <laughs> yeah. and then tiny little heads with no brain, which is fine. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, I really like them. They do look really cool. Yeah, the, the chain work, there's detailing yeah. on them. Is, they're going to be a painter's dream. Um, I know there was... A is that's a black orc? What show me next to another orc? Is he is he easy to pick out? Are they just a lot bigger? Or uh, I think here are some line orcs. Yeah. So yeah, he he does look a lot bigger than yeah. His shoulders are like twice the size. So he's, yeah, he's definitely a lot bigger. Um, they just all look brutal, all cool little detailing. And I think was it this company that had the post up about if they were going to keep the skull boots or normal boots oh, yeah. and a lot of people didn't like the skull boots on, oh, on, the, on the miniature. I voted for the skull boots as a troll basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have normal boots for sure. Yeah. Um, I ha haven't seen their goblins I don't think yet. So I don't know what they look like and the, but there is some which is a bit weird for orcs because in the old law with orcs is orcs aren't, are of a bald and if they do have hair they've kind of ripped it off a squig and stuck it into their head so they're kind of These brightly guys, coloured. Yeah but again World of Warcraft do so they're probably appealing to that aesthetic aren't they? Yeah. The World of Warcraft style. Yeah but as I say there's like you can pick out the veins and I don't know how well these miniatures will come out but the, the detailing on the skin and stuff looks absolutely phenomenal. Yeah it looks really cool. No, I like them. I like the positions as well actually. Yeah. Um, let's compare them to the Grebo guys. Have a look. Because the Grebo guys are basically a lot more armoured, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Grebo is just, it's a, one word for it is brutality. Like they've just gone for, uh, let me, sorry, get this out of the way. Yeah, they've gone for like sheer, you know, armoured, in your face, grind stuff down and like that sort of classic look, haven't they? Um, yeah. Definitely compared to the Willy ones. It's good that there's a really different aesthetic, actually, where the Willy ones have got just loads of flesh on show and the Grebo ones are just like absolute tanks with, you know, like chain mail and they've got all those chains on them and loads and loads of armour. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, the pictures, their Black Orcs are kind of similar. So these ones at the back here are Black Orcs and their shoulders and traps and necks and everything kind of look... Um, yeah, like one, 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 one piece. Yeah, it's like a massive oval shape. Um, uh, so you can see the, the goblins there. They kind of have a little bit of armor. They look a little bit more imposing what the Games Workshop goblins do. Um, 
and they've all kind of come up with clever, clever positions. Again, some of the positions, uh, some of the characters do look kind of World of Warcraft-ish. Yeah, so I can see that. Are, that that's Blitzen, kind of, probably. Yeah. yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't understand some of the icon coming on it, but here's another bit. So this one is like a... Um, you know the classical third ed blitzer where he's got his arm across his face you can't see his face that uh, arm across his body you can't see his face because he's got that one slit slit mast yeah. eyes mast and he's like charging into his opponent exactly and they've kind and of mixed it actually the, the new gw blitzers look quite similar to that that's a similar sort of uh, running style yeah um so they've gone for a mixture between brutality and kind of classical games workshop looking orcs um, so it's a case of which aesthetic you like most. I mean, personally, I would probably go for the Willy Miniatures look, but that's because I think that the detailing is absolutely outstanding on them. Um, but then, as you know, I'm not the best painter in the world, as people out there can do a lot, achieve a lot more better um, results than I could. Um, but yeah, they are kind of... Um, you, the way you describe both teams are similar sort of words, but you know they have got different looks. So they do have different looks, but they both look very brutal. So either one you kind of back would be what you want on the pitch. And, yeah, and if um, you like painting armor, then take Grebo. And if you like painting flesh, then take uh, Willy, isn't it? Really? I mean, I could see, <laughs> I could, I could see you taking the Willy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but um, but yeah, I think that's probably the the key because some people really love painting different armor styles and that works for them and they like that sort of look and um, and I think it's good that there's the two the two different looks and I would agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Right, Dan. Shall we dive into the uh, the league options itself and actually talk about some rules? Yeah, definitely. Um, although if it's okay before we move on to well, I say rules. Um, just to clarify what we were talking about earlier. Um, so on the NAF website, so everyone who's never actually been on there, if you're not an actual member of the NAF or you haven't heard of it before, they're the ones who run the tournaments on the, the, you know, the, the aren't Games Workshop backed, but they've kind of been keeping the, the game alive in between the interim between 2000 and 2016. Um, and if you're running a tournament you, and you want a rules clarifications, you can go to this page. So it's www.thenaf.net um, and under there, there's loads of tabs. If you go to Blood Bowl, uh, Rules, Clarifications, it'll bring you down to what we were talking about before. Um, so their standpoint on the APO regen uh, discussion that we had was that the, um, the APO has to be rolled before regen, like you said, Tom. Yeah, so you're absolutely. correct on that one. Yeah, and um, so that's quite good to know when you're figuring out what to do with your trolls. Um, and then also when I was talking about the throw teammate chart, so that's all on there. Um, you can click on the actual picture, print it off, and it's got a step-by-step, blow-by-blow -step, um, uh, -blow of what you should what you should do and what it means, um, which rule you're looking at. So it's it's broken down into parts um, and what you're actually looking at, what tables you're rolling on, so on and so forth. So if you, if you want to know how to do either of those two things, that's where you can go to clear that up. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely post a link to that um, in the thing. I've just made a note now uh, so that uh, the listeners can go and look at that. Thanks, Dan. Mm -hmm. Right, let's dive into uh, starting rosters for um, Orcs in a league, I think. I think that's a good place to start. And then we'll talk about the players and how you develop them into that roster. Um, so first of all, Dan, I mean, there, there, are, there is more than one option. 
Um, and it's interesting, I've uh, just finished the Norse with uh, Dan and Norse are quite an interesting build because um, they have quite a few different options because you can't actually fit everything you want in, but they're still extremely strong. Um, but Orcs are probably one of those teams where there's pretty much a cookie cutter that you can get everything that you want into a thousand. Um, barring the troll, which I think is what makes it interesting because some people like a troll, some people don't. So I would suggest that the one that you should do uh, and the sort of most widely accepted and, and, and most widely used Orc roster and the one that's going to be most competitive doesn't have the troll. And I think yeah. that'll be interesting for, for early listeners, learners who think, shit, I need to get my troll in, you know. And, and, you know, that's not necessarily wrong. And we'll go through the other lineups if you want to have a bit more fun and particularly if you want to develop your troll, which some people do. Um, so that's fine, uh, then you want to take him. But yeah, the most widely used roster and the one I would probably suggest, and I think you'll agree, Dan, um, is uh, you take uh, two linemen for 100k, and then you take a thrower, uh, all four Black Orcs, all four Blitzers, three rerolls, and that comes in at 990k. And you've got 10k then where you're looking to basically build up to an apothecary, and that gives you all the different bits and bobs you want for a lead. Yeah, that, that is the go-to. It's recommended in any site you go to, um, it's you know, as I said uh, before. You have that core, so you got your four blitzers, four black ox. They can pretty much do with every uh, deal with everything, and you, they work in conjunction with each other. Um, you got the thrower for your, your ball retriever, and then the lineman to offer assistance where he needs. Um, that is, you know, as you said, that is the best starting uh, roster for a orc player who wants to play as best as he can and play the numbers and stuff. Um, putting the troll into the roster, you have to drop a reroll. So all the ones we'll come yeah, talking about when we go to about troll, that's the, that is literally the problem. You know, if you want that reliability of having free rerolls, this is the, the, the go-to roster to put it in. And, and I would actually say that my personal advice to you listeners, because even if you're playing in a shorter form league, like DBL, where you're only going to play eight games before you get into it, you're still going to be able to afford the troll before you get into knockouts and stuff. And if you want to take him, you can. Um, and he doesn't really need a lot. Like If you're super lucky and roll, double and awesome but you're not you don't really need that in this team because you're going to get blocked mm. on other players and stuff so so i kind of feel like my advice even if you want to play the troll and have fun with him that, that's absolutely fine go for it but start with this standard lineup and build your play as well and then when you and then probably with that 990k your first 50k is going to be yeah then you're going to build into a troll and that's fine if that's what you want to do then go for it but i just i wouldn't i think that sacrificing down to two re-rolls is too big for this team because those four black orcs are going to need them early on when, if, yeah. if and when you're throwing those blocks, they, they are just going to need them. Um, I mean, I would say, so what, so actually, and this is the build I would take to start. Um, and we discussed this already at length, so we won't go into it too much. Um, but I would actually just drop the thrower down to alignment and save an extra 20 K um, and use my blitzers. And that, that's just how I like to play. So then I'm starting at 90, K. Um, so I'm taking exactly the same builds, but I'm taking uh, three linemen off the bat instead of the thrower. So I've got a bit of extra care in the bank, and it means I can almost definitely buy an Echo straight away. Um, and then I'm going to skill one of my blitzers very early on into basically being that ball carrier. Um, and yeah. it is risky because I'm going to have to use those re-rolls to pick up the ball potentially and stuff like that. But, and that's just how I personally like to play. And we discussed that at length about more armor, more speed on your ball carrier, all those sorts of things. But it, yeah, it's I mean the way to play. It's, I would, I would do the same approach you, as you, to be honest. Um, and as you say, but it's, you've got the ball retriever being a blitzer. You've got a utility blitzer. You've got two kill blitzers. And then, um, so when I, what I mean by that is your kill blitzers will go, uh, might blow tackle. Um, your utility blitzer will be a guard piece and then maybe tackle if you've got agility league or something like that. Um, with your black orcs, 
you're trying to put SPP on them and they're only going to get one or two skills. So they go block and reliability. What the second skill is on the Black Orc is either two guard or two might blow or depending on how long your league is. It's, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk about exactly how to skill the players like in detail in a sec, but that, that makes mm. perfect sense. That's how it fits into that play style. Um, let's talk about, so yeah, a couple of different lineups um, with a troll. So I've talk, sort of talked about, um, you know, the, the standard one with a thrower and then you can choose whether to take the thrower or not if you agree with me listeners about carrying your blitzer or not. But then uh, if you're taking the troll, um, yeah, and there's, there's kind of, so there's two I've got in front of me here, Dan, you might agree or not. Um, the first one is um, you take one lineman and then you still get a thrower to carry a ball um, and then actually, even then, I probably, you know, that, I think that's a choice, but we've discussed that at length already. Uh, all four Black Orcs, all four Blitzers, because that's, you have to take that in every build anyway. Uh, one troll, and then just two re-roll for 990k. And then there's a juxtaposition with that is you can take that, or you could take a Goblin for 40k, and then you're on 980k and you can get the Apo, and that, as we discussed, gives you a little bit more options with the Goblin. The sort of weakness is, is that you have to have them on the pitch at all times, and sometimes that's not appropriate. Um, yeah, again, we covered that before, like how you protect him and stuff. But then if you're taking a troll, you probably want to take a goblin because it, it's the reason why you play some of these teams. Like if you want to have the troll to try a chance at a one-turn throw with a goblin on an orc team, you need to have those positions there. It's like, if you want to, you know, if you want to play dwarfs because you want to play a death roller, you need to somehow fit it into your roster and see what you're missing out and stuff like that. So it's, it's one of those things that draw people to the team for the fun side of it. Um, so these both, both of those are fun, but I say you couldn't play, I, w- I wouldn't suggest playing with the blitzer mentality of picking up and carrying if you've got a troll in your team because you've only got the two rerolls. So you do yeah, kind of need sure. the thrower. Um, so I would, if I was going to go put a troll on the team, I would go opt for the thrower first um, to, to save on those two rerolls. And, and then you're looking at maybe one or two goblins because one might die. So you, you're losing the chance of throwing a goblin anyway um, before you even start thinking about saving up for the third reroll. But then orcs get money. You know, any leagues they're in, they don't suffer huge amount of casualties unless you're absolutely horrendously unlucky um because you don't face those killer teams getting those uh, getting their skills until later on in a, in a long uh, a long running league no absolutely um and uh, yeah i think i'd probably agree actually i was i was speaking out to listeners i think if you've got two re-rolls then you probably do need that short hands to start off with so i think that's the sort of sacrifice you make if you're looking at that build um, yeah. But yeah, the, um, but I, I think the underlying fact is, is that anything that deviates from two, from sorry, four Black Orcs and four Blitzers, um, it can be done. Uh, there are fun rosters I've seen where you, where you don't do that and you take more rerolls and you take more goblins and you do sort of things like that. Um, but if you're going to play any sort of vaguely competitive league and even fun, because I just don't think you have as much fun if you haven't got all, all eight of those players. I think you have mm-hmm. to have those to have fun with the team. Um, so I think you look at the, taking those eight. Um, and then there are a couple of options like we discussed if you want to say a troll if you don't. Um, I've got one more. To... Say again? I've got one more. Oh, have you? Oh, for a start. Yeah, so go. you've got go. two, two goblins, your core eight players, and two linemen, um, and two re-rolls, and that comes in at 980. Mm-hmm. So you've got 20 Ks. Again, you're not going to roll the, the um, re-rolls, but you've got the two goblins to stay back, so one will pick up, one will be back to cover. Um, and then you try and move the ball forward that way and use the speed of the goblins, protect them with your blitzers. So it's a different play style, a different approach, um, and not relying on having the troll in there. But the only problem is, so you say you've got two re-rolls, though. Can, yes. And that's 12 players. Can you not take three re-rolls and have... Um, you could drop one, one of the goblins and have... Dead, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but they then come up with the same thing as you don't have anyone on the bench. You've got one goblin, you know, and who are you running back? This is to create a faster team. So you're relying on 
hopefully not using the re-rolls as much or needing to rely on the re-rolls and getting the ball moving. Um, so as we said, when we discussed before about Orc tactics is that their biggest weakness is getting stuck in the backfield. So at least if you have a ball on a goblin with stunty dodging, he can get to the middle of the pitch. Even if they do surround you, you can just dodge through the screen and, 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 get, the, and get the ball recovered. Yeah, for sure. Again, that's interesting. And I, I, I quite love playing around, like playing around with goblins with orcs. I think they can be quite effective. Um, and there's a few different bits and what we can do with them. But again, it's kind of something I would chuck in later on. Like I would still advocate, because this is the starting lineup. So I would still yeah. go for what we've said right off the bat at the start. Get that core base, play a few games and get the skills you need in your black orcs. And then start adding in trolls and goblins and changing your play style up, you know, as you move in. Because because these players, both the trolls and goblins, don't, don't really need a lot of skills because they're going to, like, goblins are going to die and the trolls aren't going to get a lot. So, so I, I think know, but... it's worth talking about, for sure. Mm. Um, but I think I think that's what we both agree on, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, but it's, it's the thing, like, orcs, people kind of dread orcs because they see so many of them. They hate the leagues where it's like, we've got there's 12 players and eight of them are playing orcs. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. It's just nice to have some variation, and especially with a team where it offers you everything on a plate um if everyone just took the, the the tactically best team to take then there isn't any deviation in it so it's just someone who wants to play a little bit of fun and, and i am different. one of those lunatics like um and we'll talk about chaos on another another podcast but i'm one of those lunatics that quite likes to take a minor off the bat with two re-rolls and just and only three warriors and just yolo um i actually, I actually like the four beastmen uh, roster have yeah, no warriors four beastmen can work yeah. as well um, maybe we'll talk in another podcast about that. But there are things you can do, listeners. But it's just it's just if you're a new player, take those eight solid players <laughs> and look to be able to do it. And if you're a more experienced player, then we've discussed a few of the different things that you can do. Right, yeah. so let's talk about how to develop the players. So we'll talk about the line orc first. And we've had a little bit of a debate about whether you like him or not. And, and we do mm-hmm. both like him, but I probably use more of them. Because like I said, if we're looking at my... I'd kind of forgotten, actually, looking at my starting world, I do take three off the bat because I'm going to not have a thrower and the way that fits in without the troll. Mm. And then I probably start to cut them later on, but early on I do definitely use them. Um, like we said, they're a pretty exemplary lineman. They've got pretty average stat line like we've gone through already, uh, but yeah. that serious armor just makes them a really good lineman because they're going to be standing next to people. So my favorite is, um, and there are a few ways you can build them. Um, it's just the kind of standard fodder player on the line. Um, where they basically don't need any skills to do that well. But they can take block. Um, I think block's a a decent skill on them. Um, And sort of, but the problem is anything more than that, they start to become bloats. And actually, how much more effective does it make? Even block makes them bloat. Well, exactly. I mean, I've, I've got a different approach to you, obviously, because I was just about to disagree with what you're saying. Oh, no, fine. Come back uh, in a minute. I take these fodder guys where... I think uh, we sort of agree and disagree, and I'm more than happy to mm-hmm. come back and disagree with me. But I do like block, um, and it depends, again, it depends on how quickly my black orcs are skilling up. So if I've got those three line orcs, and I think you need a certain amount of block on the team, and yeah. they're going to skill up, um, you know, more easily. So if, I, so if you know, my first couple of line orcs are skilling up and the black orcs are nowhere near it, I can take block to get it. Um, I think that... Um, doubles, again, and guard is actually quite good on the line, mm-hmm. and it means that particularly in my play style where... Um, my blitzer, you know, one of my blitzers is out and he's carrying the ball. Um, a guard line orc is really, really effective. He's really yeah. useful. Um, but I'd agree. Actually, the standard line orc fodder dude doesn't need a lot of skills. And if you're on one side, skill up my black orcs and they do get blocked, I'd probably cut them and like get rid of that TV because you just don't need it anymore. But I do like probably at least six block on the team out of the 11 players in order to play those averages. So I'm kind of looking yeah. at that and, and how to build them. Well, for me, it's eight block. 
you know, your four blitzes start with four, and then all your black orcs get blocked yeah. first. I'm just saying the so, minimum. Yeah, you, yeah. you want eight, yeah, for sure. Um, if you're putting SPP on a line orc, then he's done three casualties. You know, he's he's done something exceptional. Because um, you know, depending on the rules of your league, do you can you place MVPs? If you are, you're never placing an MVP on a line orc. No, I have. Sure. I would have less than you, less than you as you probably said. Um, and I think if you do manage to get skill on, on a line orc, he's probably only going to get one. Um, so block blow is a thing. Um, if you have eight on the team, do you really need more? You can just survive with the eight. So for me, I'd rather put a utility skill on this player that you don't put on another player very, very far down the line. So he's either going to get dirty player if you can get a few goblins on your roster because they're only cheap. Um, if you're going to fluff your, your build your roster out or kick, he's your kick player. You know, if he's not on the line, if you have the, the typical five up front, so you troll four Black Ox on the line, and he's going to be in the backfield anyway, he may as well be your kick caddy um, to control the pace of the game. You know, if, if you want to beat up your position and have him in the backfield, he's your go-to guy, because you're not going to put on a blitzer until, what, skill five, six? You're not going to have that in a short league. Yeah, and I was going to say, the, the other two types of line orcs I kind of see are potentially a kicker. Um, I just don't think that orcs need kick massively. I don't think they no, not, it no. doesn't really affect them that much. So you can. Um, and then it, as you move into the league, so once you're getting to the more like 1,400, 1,500, that's when you start to add a dirty player one probably to get the fouls in yeah. when you've got a bench um, and you need to keep up with Claw, Mighty Blow and stuff. You actually need to put the boot in and kill shit. Um, mm. That's pretty effective. In terms of the setups, um, yeah, you're never going to take anything other than if you get strength yeah. actually a 100k black orc with agility three is really good <laughs> um, so effectively, he can't get yeah. strength access for sure but you know he does he can become really good so i think yeah. strength is is quite effective on this guy uh, but agility stuff like no that. don't really need it um you, you, chili on the blitzer yeah definitely but line orc is missing too many skills before that uh, i would take movement because obviously movement five is a bit of a killer um you know, as I say, that's why the throw is so bad because he's a movement five. So these yeah, guys suffer from the same. Is that thirty k it costs. Yeah, yeah. So he's an eighty k piece with movement six. Yeah, I can see that. And then he gets block, and he's kind of like an extra blitzer basically. Um, yeah. With block, he's a hundred k blitzer basically, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that was my thinking on it. Um, so I would take movement if it came up uh, came up first or as an option. But yeah, you, I'd agree with you. I wouldn't take agility on a line arc. Yeah. movement five agility four it's like okay great so i can pick up the ball and then what have to i have to throw it because i'm stuck in the backfield of this slow player i mean it i have any throwing I, skills i played in quite a short ruthless league before where i got strength really early on on a line or can i actually cut black orc and had four yeah. black orcs with a faster one because i was like trim the tv down i've got strength four dude here and he's going to get block and he's not going to get guard and strength necessarily unless he doubles but actually and it, it was really effective i was like people kind of looking i was like where's your four black orcs? I was like, i've got one here and it's actually Cheaper the way it's all working out, and he's quicker and can yeah. keep up. It works very well. That's um, no, very smart. Considerations to make. Um, right, let's talk about uh, you know my least favorite player. Let's get him out of the way. Why not the thrower? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I've, and I'll stress it again. Let's get one thing straight, Dan. Orcs are not a passing team. They should not be developed as a passing team. There is no um, reason for them to be passing. Now, check. Sometimes, <laughs> and that's what the thrower brings in. But they are for bashing, caging, running the ball, really. Um, yeah. I think that the dwarf, dwarf, orc, the orc thrower, um, like, orc, and orcs are really good anyway, but they'd be better if he was more of a runner, like we talked about, if he was quicker. And yeah. didn't have, if he was quicker and didn't have pass, I'd, I'd take it. So that's like, you know, that's, um, so I think that's my problem with him. But there are ways to skill him. Um, yeah, there is, and there's, there's different uh, thinkings on it. I've seen like the the Danish um, 
review on how to play orcs, and they believe that because he's got access to passing, you can put skills on him, uh, skills on him like nerves of steel and dump off, and then have a goblin on the outside of your cage. So when the war dancers and that, if they do try to jump in, and you <laughs> and you don't have access to lots of garden stuff, and they're trying to one dice your your ball out, um, that you can quickly chuck it to the goblin on the other, on, a, on the other side of the cage. Um, so I've seen that, but then I, I say I would skill up goblins when we talk about them. You know, we potentially would dive and catch. So it does become a, a viable thing. Whereas if you put accurate first on your on your thrower, you know you can throw it six squares reliably to a goblin who's catching like an elf, and you can get quite a lot of movement in that first turn. So it's it is feasible, it is doable, you know, to have a passing team. It's a lot more than any other team where a bash team where it's kind of like a, a no go because you're investing too much and too much SPP. Yeah, and, and you can build throwers. I mean, I've seen, um, so Rory's got an excellent team on, on Fumble. I mean, you can do anything you want on Fumble. That's the fun thing about Fumble. Because um, yeah. it's different to leagues where often, you know, DBL's only got one a year, ESP World's only got two a year. But often you, you think you're going to do something different and then you actually get to it and you want to do what's fun. Like when you sign up in the pub, you want to do what you're going to enjoy. So often people don't uh, do that. But he's got a thrower who's got accurate um, and he's got uh, a movement seven blitzer and he's got an agility yeah. up blitzer. So he's got a bit more stuff you can do with it. And that's yeah. and it's not a shit choice. Like taking accurate on a thrower when he's got pass means you've got that option. There's still agility three blitzers like they could do it. Mm. Um, I would just suggest there's, there's kind of a couple of ways I would build throwers if I was going to take them. And one is a ball carrier. Yeah. Um, that is a runner. Um, and he's like we've talked about already. He's going to take blocks straight away. Um, he also yeah. might take, if I was going to take a thrower, might, and we talked about this already, might take leader because then you can cut float and I might even cut reroll and have my runner dude with leader. I'm going to cut some stuff off. It's a risk because you yeah. might lose him, but it does shave, shave a bit of TV off. Um, yeah, and man. he doubles dodge because if he gets blotch and he's a ball carrier, that, yeah. that's a game changer. I mean, and, um, so, something we didn't talk about was um, uh, kickoff return. Yeah, the, the, that, that skill exists for I was about these to say players. Because yeah, he's yeah. so slow. Yeah. He talks right, about like movement seven. Mm-hmm. Um, he's right, not so, got movement seven, but he can basically add it on. He can become movement eight if he's got kickoff yeah. turn, which is a great ball. But it's, a, it's a case of when do you get it? Because as you said, you need block first because you don't want to get caught out. You need, you know, if you're going to put pass with him, you need accurate. If you're going to run with him, you know, or you get doubles or a stat increase, like, the kickoff return does I, come quite late. I, so. I, cannot, I could see if you were run, doing a ball carrier, there's a choice with leader because I think leader's good. If he hasn't rolled a double, mm-hmm. And he's got block. Kickoff return is a potential second skill. Yeah. Um, if he could then retrieve the ball. I'm trying to think what else you could take with him. In a weird kind of way, he can be built. Fend. Yeah, Fend is really good. Yeah, mm. no, you're not wrong. Um, trying to think, Fend. Um, in a weird kind of way, you can add him in as something like an extra tackler if you haven't got a lot of tackle. Um, That's what p- people do if they take the two throwers. I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, the bit. other one is a more defensive thrower anyway who goes wrestle mm. instead of block. I um, mean, he can be back. And like, like we talked about, Dan, about having a strip fall defensive piece is, is actually really good because he can go down, wrestle the ball down, they're kind mm-hmm. of alone. Uh, the next turn he can get up and grab it and run away. <laughs> I say run away. Move two squares very slowly. Right? No, but, but he's, got yeah. that, he's got that short hands to, to get it. And, that, and that's a, a legitimate piece with wrestle, strip ball, tackle, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it, people just steer away from it because he's too if, you play that, well, if you play that, yeah, exactly. But if you play that style, you have to sometimes carry with him and no one wants to carry the ball with a wrestle player because it's it's more of an offensive thing for taking ball carriers down um but then yeah if you, again if you play with two you have them same as the dwarves do where they're, they're kind of set off near the the magic square on the back 
um, so they can cover either side of the pitch. So you don't know which way the ball's going to land to which one's going to pick and carry with it. So it's hard investing the points in that. But then I would agree with you. I would, if I had two, I would skill them that way. One as a utility tackler and one as a, the ball carrier. But, but I've been arguing all the way through, you never take any. So but, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are ways to use them. And again, it does come down to preference because they're not shit. Um, mm. because you know they do have a place i just really struggle with the combination of the movement and the armor like yeah. you said and if you've got the models and um you know you want to use them and in leagues you're not going to lose because also it's strong enough and they're good enough and these are these are legitimate ways to build them i'll keep stressing that listen <laughs> I, just, I just wouldn't do it like i just don't fucking see the point of taking them um no. i can have a movement line line orc sorry movement five movement nine movement five <laughs> line orc um, I, I just think he's a better piece for me, like how I play, because he's got the armor to stand up, and I can, I could, I could potentially skill a line orc like this anyway. Like, yeah. if I take block and sure hands on a line orc, and I'm not going to pass, um, that's like a 90k piece. It's like the same cost as a thrower with armor nine. So it's like, it's it's how you're going to play. If you think you're going to use that pass, and it is a useful skill to get out of jail, mm. um, you can you know have an extra built-in reroll. Um, you know, people play very effectively with it. Yeah. Anyway, we've talked far too long about a player that you would never use. So <laughs> let's move on to the players that you definitely do use. Um, let's go into the bobs. Mm. You know, the glue that holds this whole team together. Like we said, big, strong, epitomizing, or brutal, difficult for people to deal with for sure. Uh, like we said, with agility too, they're not going to be scoring very often. Um, so skills ups are tricky to come by. And I think you've got to okay. bear that in mind when skilling them. And that's why I think... I, I won't say this as a carte blanche. I think there's almost no reason to not give them block, but I think there is another option that we can discuss, but bl- almost certainly block as a first skill. Yeah, it, it's, unless you're playing in tournaments where you don't let you spam general skills, it's always, for me, it's always block first. That eight block and the strength, and then you kind of bully your opponent. Um, it's, but then it's advertised everywhere. This is one of the weaknesses of the team is getting SPP on these guys. It's not just the agility to stop them from scoring. It's the movement four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of turns to get them up the pitch. <laughs> you know? I mean, I've, um, I've done it. If, if you get yeah, it's doable. Back, giving it to a Blackhawk is not terrible because he can sit in the mm. cage. He's hard to sack. He can't dodge away, but you've just got to protect him effectively. Yeah. But that's actually a bit of a gimme. It's like, oh, cool. I can put him up. He might get skill. You know? it's, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not terrible. But yeah, the movement four is shit. Yeah. Um, but no, it's he, he needs mighty blow. Yeah, you know, it's the Black Orcs, it's all about the second skill. So, so, what combination are you looking at? So, I would always go block first. And as I mentioned just a second ago, it's a case of probably two guard, two mighty blow. And then, if they manage to get one of them gets a third skill, it gets whatever is missing from the other. Yeah, the, um, the holy trinity of the three skills is block. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they all want. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even take doubles personally. I would um, constantly just chuck it into those three generals. We were talking on the Norse team. The Norse team is even better than this team because I, we were talking about, I don't think there was any player on that team where you want to double apart from the Yeti. All of them <laughs> have access to what they need. Um, yeah. And I think Blackhawks are the same. Like There is an argument, and particularly in the longer league, and if they've already got block, potentially dodge, because like, that makes them really fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, a blodging strength four piece is just really irritating. But you know, early on, they, they just need block. Um, and even like stats increase, even if you roll a double six and get strength, the strength five black orc oh, is really good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, if, but if he's your first one, you're like, oh, do I just take block? Like actually you have to think about how many play- games you've got to play and how, what a liability he's going to be and how, you know, if all your other black orcs yeah. are almost SPP-less, you're, you're going to think, shit, I actually might need to take block here. Yeah, because you know, he'll, be, yeah, he'll be up front. 
he'll be up front with the other Blackhawks. And if they don't have guards to support him to get in those three dice blocks. They can get two dice anyway. On, and people, people will always get two dice on anyone they want if they really put their minds to it. So yeah. it doesn't actually change a lot. I would throw into the mix, um, potentially, I like to throw in a guard one. And I think this is from my chaos play. Um, mm. I, with my chaos warriors, I tend to, I tend to alternate block guard, block guard. And that, but that's also because the beastmen um, skill up as well. And I think that really lends a lot to that strengthful line. So I would probably go block, block, and then maybe the third one guard, depending on how the other team's going. Depends on whether the blitzers have got it as well. But mm. a guard strength four piece rammed in there in league play is not terrible. It's not a bad decision. And it depends on the rest of the team. But I can see myself doing that. Would you ever consider going to stand firm first and play like a necro team? Because stand firm on this piece is exactly like a flesh golem. But you have more strength to support them. Um, I'd like to say yes. Um, I can see why you're, you know, you're saying it. And I do use stand firm on um, like dwarf teams. I take it quite mm-hmm. often. Like I've taken on chaos dwarves as an early skill up. I've got a couple of guard already. It, it is really, really useful and really good. Um, I just feel like I'd bottle out. If I had two blocks, so for example, if I had two block blackboards mm-hmm. um, and my blitz has already got, I've already got say a couple of guard and I was looking at tackle, you know, things like that. And you know, I didn't, I didn't need other skills, and I, I would say yes. I think Sandfirm could be because it could be really, really handy. But he's yes, much more handy with guard. So I could see myself firm. going guard and then Sandfirm yeah. before block, actually, in a weird kind of way, because then people still, they can knock him over for sure. But it's still bloody annoying because he just falls where he is and then stands back up. Like that is really irritating. No, Sandfirm I think is a skill that's oft overlooked, and Orcs with multiple Sandfirm would be really annoying. Yeah. You can yeah. see four, four stand firm black holes with nothing else would actually still be really bloody annoying. You actually <laughs> think about trying to play against that, trying to move them out. Yeah. Um, you know, not, and, and that's why I go back to it. These guys have got everything they need, general and strength access. There's so many good options. And the Holy Grail is block mighty blow guard, but yeah. stand firm's not bad. Grab's not bad. Um, yeah. Even frenzy, but you probably want it on a faster piece, but even frenzy on a black hole isn't bad. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> probably not sure hands. Pass block. Fend. Fend. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You t- well, exactly. You take stand firm. That's the thing. They've got the options that of stuff mm. they would take. Um, but yeah, like we said, these guys are they're just the glue that holds it together. Um, yeah. You probably ignore doubles, like we said, um, but you want to pummel your opponents into the ground. So block, block, mighty blow across the bat is not bad, is it? But you want block. No. You need block. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a player fortunately on the starting roster that has block and there are mm-hmm. four of them and they're really really good the blitzers yeah. um yeah like we said they're slightly slower than the human ones but they're tougher and um, yeah they are the superstars fast rock hard armor nine um there's quite a few different ways you can skill them i'd probably yeah. say sort of off the bat my Definitely. my three ways i go is ball carrier killer and then like a support piece and I think the killer and the support piece are the two sort of standard ones, aren't they, Dan? Yeah. Um, as, as I just mentioned a second ago, um, ball carrier, if you're, if you're using the thrower, then you have two utility, two killers, because then they can cover both sides of the pitches. Um, the thing with orcs is that's what you end up playing against. And who these guys, they have access to might blow, they have access to tackle. So you kind of build your killers up that way first. Um, and then... It, but if you do that, as you're saying, you're putting block on your black orcs, when are you actually going to get guard? So two of them, you do need to start thinking, well, okay, well, maybe these two are guard pieces because they're going to be back defending the cage um, 
while while you're you know in the first couple of turns before you can marry up with your black orcs. Um, so you lose one of those utility players if you go for the one of them being a carrier, because um, obviously the first thing you do is sure hands, and then and then you know. But then anything on the value for money for this player is absolutely amazing, and anything on him makes him even better. So I, I like um you said with Rory, um my first league in in Swindon I had the same thing where I had an agility four blitzer, um who was picking the ball up, passing and that stuff, and I had a movement seven blitzer who was scoring on my touchdowns, um and it just it made the team play in such a, a, a different way. I think um, so you, almost, you almost have to assume that actually one of them will do that. Actually, you've got four of them and they're all going to skill up. You're, yeah. you're, you're actually more likely than you think to get a sat up and any yeah. sat up you're going to take. Um, and it changes the team. So I, think, so I do think you assume you're going to like have one or two support and a, definitely a killer. And then actually the other blitzers, you kind of take it yeah. as it comes. I mean, these guys are getting all your SPP. You know, they're starting off with block. They're your reliable <laughs> ones that you're blitzing with, as we keep mentioning. So they're getting all the blitzes in first, getting, hopefully getting casualties um, and scoring touchdowns as well. So they do absorb a lot of SPP. They're more likely to get this than anything else. Yeah. And, and so just, just to sort of underline the, the killers, I mean, there are a couple of ways to go now, and it depends on your league environment. If you need tackle or not, usually you do. Um, mm. So for me, actually... It's difficult. If I know I've got a team coming up, I'm, I probably would take tackle first because you, if you're playing, if you end up playing a blodger early on or even a dodger, it's just just makes your life a lot easier. But generally, I like to get a mighty blow piece straight away because it yeah. just adds that. And he sits behind the line, um, and on defence, you're kind of screening a bit and you're let, you're trying to push them around to score quickly or you know, do whatever you want to do. But every single turn, you're just zapping out with that mighty blow and hitting whatever it is. Even on armor eight, you're going to start removing pieces quick, like really quickly. Um, and so you want that one mighty blow piece as quickly as possible. And then I'm going to look at the support pieces. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, so the killer guy, mighty blow. And again, if you don't need tackle, piling on is fantastic on this dude because he's going to kill shit. He can't retreat and get back. So you need to think about how you're going to protect him. Um, but piling on's good. But um, the tackle's probably, probably better straight away. Yeah. A mighty blow tackle piece. And then friendly is a kind of later down the line one. Yeah. And as I say, it all depends on your, your league, if, you're, if it's which rules they're using for the piling on. Um, obviously well, I all the ones we play now do use the, what I would say is the correct way yeah. um, listeners, which is not how GW ruled it where you have to use reroll and stuff it's basically piling on is just a reroll for either the armor or the um, kill thing uh, whichever one comes first effectively um, and that's how it works and then you put your player, your piece prone as per usual but you don't have to use a reroll yeah. or any bullshit like that but th- these guys can also get doubles as well so unlike the Blackhawks doubles are useful on them oh so... yeah Bodge is amazing well, we jump up, blodge, sidestep. Yeah. The... Oh yeah, well exactly. If you're going piling on, then jump up is is really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to juxtapose before you jump back in, Dan, and um, and give your thoughts more fully, as I'm sure you will. Um, we've got the orc support guy, and we've sort of alluded to it. And he he sort of goes more like guard, um, and then tackle as well, because because then tackle is going to be good on the defense side, mm-hmm. um, and like the other ones you said. But yeah, I mean that that's how I kind of look at it. killers and supporters. Like we said, it's kind of mighty blow piling on tackle side and guard and still tackle. Tackle, I think, is quite crucial to the Orcs because they don't start with any like the Dwarves. Yeah. Um, and these are the guys who are going to get it like no one else is going to do it. So I, I often take tackle on my blitzers. I've, I've gone to a tournament with two tackle blitzers before because oh, yeah. I was thinking it's that important um, to kill people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's also tying people down. And like we said before um, on the Lizardman talk, um, when I'm playing teams like Undead, which happens a lot, They've got one tackle white. 
you're looking at what, back, what side of the pitch it is to move him around so he's away from your stunty players. So your opposition will be wary of where your tackle blitzes are. Um, and, and they will end up like you know, generating you more SPP because you know they're turning the ball over, uh, causing more casualties to taking down lodgers or, or just those, those players. There's a lot of players that start with dodge. Um, and because you're so slow, if they get behind you, and you know, and you're throwing blocks into them if you don't have tackle and stuff. You're wasting block dice, and they, you know, they can screen behind you and turn the clock down. And as an orc player, that's not what you want. You need to be, you know, trying to get players up. So it's yeah. the skill that's going to get, do it for you. Absolutely. Um, and the, I think the last thing I'd say about the blitz are like, if you're going to go the ball carrier route, in a weird kind of way, um, I do take short hands on them, but I, I don't go early on. Like I would still okay. my first blitz or second. Okay, uh, do you, you run the free re-roll. Yeah, because I've got three oh, yeah. re-rolls. I, I just use my three re-rolls to pick the ball up. Um, yeah. And I do go short hands. Like that is, you know, probably my second blitz through. Second or it hasn't happened, I would go for it. But often I kind of play it a bit safe. I say safe. I play it a bit later. Um, mm. And I go for the, using my re-rolls to pick the ball up. Um, and I'll skill my killer up first. So I'll go for Mighty Blow first, kill shit. Um, but I'm actually hoping that I roll a move up or an adjunct or something like that, yeah. and then he becomes a ball carrier. And, yeah. and it, the amount of times it's happened, I've played Orcs in quite a lot of online leagues and won full league, uh, proper tabletop league. And every single time, the second or third blitzer has got something that's useful to make him a ball carrier. And then he's yeah. faster, or he's stronger, or he's got agility, and he becomes the ball carrier, and he does all that shit. Um, so... I think if I got to my third blitzer and I had nothing, I'd go, cool, this short hand's right, we're going to go down this route now. But you'd be surprised um, because these guys skill up so quickly that one will get a skill that you need to use for it. But yeah, if you're going to go ball handler, then you want short hands. Uh, you want uh, blodge if you can. Dodge is amazing. Um, but the, and then sort of uh, you would then just go down the route of the normal skills that blitzers are going to take. You yeah. would just take more of the defensive skills, so probably guard and tackle and things like that to keep stay behind the line. But again, I mean, Kick and kick off return are not not terrible yeah. ideas. I mean, that's that's the re-roll um, short hands argument, and that's it pretty much in a nutshell. If you've got the free re-rolls, it is a little bit more reliable to try and pick up, and one of those re-rolls is reserved for your... the same way as the Skinks do on the Lizman team. Um, yeah, one re-roll is reserved for, as, your, as your ball carrier. And yeah, I, I, like, I like the idea of playing the long game and stuff like that if you're not going to take the thrower. Um, so yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. The, the, the problem I have is, and, you know, I've talked with Rory at uh, length about this, um, is that sure hands for me, actually, it's not, it's not really a skill that it's, it's useful, but it's not a skill that's there for just picking the ball up in your, in your backfield on a normal drive. Hopefully, you know, they've not got a blitz. It's not raining. You know, there's not shenanigans going on, picking it up. You can use one of your three rerolls for that. It's successful. And actually, if you're playing in, against a not-that-fast team, it doesn't matter the first time and then the second time you've got to think about it. But what it's really useful for shorthands is, is ball recovery. Like if it's in a yeah. zone or if it's in a terrible position, you've got to run in and get it. That's what shorthands is useful for. So you do want that skill. And then against strip ball and, you know, yeah. you well, that's what I was thinking about. You're going to need it. So you, you don't see much strip ball out there. Yeah. You don't, because the players need to have speed. They need to have the ability to get to your ball carrier. Um, so a war dancer might get strip ball, but it's not his first go-to. Um, you know, the first one's always tackle. Um, I actually, yeah. I actually, quite early on, and vampire teams take a strip ball vampire because for that reason, people don't take short hands, and you run a strength four dude in and just go. It's, it's brave though because more people go for the reliable dodge 
Because you, you know, if you've got to dodge away from players to try yeah, and get them into it. But early on. So yeah, um, okay, yeah. early on, I'll, I'll probably go like dodge and then actually even second vampire might take strip ball. Because just, yeah. just for that sacker, I think it's more effective than wrestle or tackle because so few people take draw hands. And again, yeah. you've got to look at your league and see who's got it. But it's surprisingly effective. And certainly in a tournament build, a strength ball do the strip ball is like super annoying. You're mm. playing against ghouls and stuff, like they won't have draw hands. So it's like... Yeah. No gaze, bang in there, get the ball. Um, it's a really effective way to play them. Right, I think that's probably covered the blitzers. Um, mm-hmm. Several ways to skill them. Um, they are very good pieces, like we've said. Um, let's talk about the troll. Da troll. The troll. Da troll. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we talked about him. It's a shame because I love big guys. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know why I laugh at that every time. I probably would take him in a league. In like a long league, I just wouldn't take him early on. But he's just a bit too unreliable, and you've got so much strength anyway. Like, mm-hmm. if he was a wild animal killing machine, like a Minotaur, I'd be all over him. But I've already got my Black Holtz and Blitzers doing all the bashing, so, you know. Yeah. But there are ways to skill him, and you probably... And that's the thing about taking him late. He doesn't really need skills to, to no. size people up. Um, so you give him skills that make him slightly more effective. Like, you probably give him Guard and Stand Firm are the ones that that are kind of normals that you'd probably give him because he's good in that environment. And then if he gets blocked, it does actually change the dynamic. Um, so taking him and hoping for a double is great. But there's not really what else you would take. Block, guard, stamp them. I just, you start to run out of things. I mean, interestingly, Ripper um, is a really, really good star. Um, and he has grab. Mm-hmm. And you, every time you use it, you realize how good that is. And, and potentially grab on a troll to drag people back into your line is, is quite a good choice. Yeah, well, that that was literally what I was just about to say. Um, you know, if you start with a troll or you have a troll in your league and you manage to get some skills, the first go-to for me would be guard um, over stand firm because he's so close to your Blackhawks anyway that he's giving a, a job then. He's helping the, the people around him. Whereas at, at my standpoint on the croc score was always stand firm first because he's got his movement and you're jamming him in there. Well, you're not doing that with the troll. Um, but yeah, so I'd go guard, stand firm, then grab. You know, but you're not going to have four basic skills on a short league where you're playing with your mates on a, on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and I say the double would be block. But there is no other decent alternatives to this. He's only going to move in four. They can block, yeah. really. Strength six doesn't really help him. So block block does really help him. I think mm. if you suddenly get a block troll, it does actually change the dynamic and becomes a reliable yeah. piece. Well, yeah, a lot of people do argue the double six. Because yeah, the double six, like everyone's like, oh... Yeah, but 50k for strength on a troll piece. Uh, yeah. There yeah. are arguments on, you know, minos where they're three dicing and stuff like that. But, Definitely. Um, but uh, I think on a troll, I just can't see it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we need to say a lot more about him. Um, no. he, he's got skills. That he strong throw? Say again? Strong, uh, strong arm? Strong arm, yes, for throwing goblin. <laughs> um, I've seen it. Trees, but it's, yeah. It is an option, but he's just not a reliable thrower. So no. um, it doesn't make it more reliable enough to make it worth it. Like if you <laughs> throw YOLO, then fuck it, you're going to throw dice it anyway. And it, yeah. makes it, like, it changes one of the dice rolls by like one, but yeah. it's still unlikely. So you're like, just, like for 20K, that's just not really worth it. Like, <laughs> um, right, and then let's talk about these little dudes, the gobos. Um, I've actually got one skill I really like on these guys. 
um, and that's dive and tackle. I think they can add mm. a really good defensive ability to the Orc team, particularly early on if you're going down that line of taking goblins early on and you're not got tackle pieces and stuff to tag agility teams because Orcs do struggle. Yeah. So, yeah, I do like dive and tackle. They, they do, but the problem with dive and tackle is how you're deploying it. So if you've only got the one goblin dive and tackle, you don't want him on the person you're trying to stop moving because he's just going to get punched. And then, well, you know... You put him on the ball carrier. And if they're using their blitz to hit him, mm -hmm. um, then I think you're... You, if you've, uh, it depends. You don't just chuck him in there. Yeah. But I think you, you would do it where he's tagging the ball carrier and then the rest of your orcs are jammed in in such a way, like putting a lot of pressure on so that yeah. they can blitz him away. But then they're fucked because all the orcs are pushing in on you and they can't use their blitz on other ways. So I, I think he's... But other, otherwise, you know, they, they can just kind of dodge away and move somewhere else. And that, that's one thing about dive and tackle. It means they have to use their blitz on him to free Paul okay. Carrow. So that's what I'm thinking of for using it. No, I, I do see it. And it is a good option. It's just that I would, I would go down a different path. But no, no, again, it's down to play style on that one. Absolutely. I, I just think he's, he's good for that. I mean, obviously... General skills, you know, for example, sidestep is, is a great, great on a stunty piece. Stunties love sidestep because um, he just becomes super annoying. And if he gets block, a blodge goblin is really, really, really yeah. good. Um, yeah. I think blodge is, is super good. So, sidestep means you can side cage. But as we said before, you don't really want to be doing that, preferably with orcs, because if you get stuck on the, si on the sides, you're not moving forward and you can't have the speed to create that space behind, uh, in front of the players for them to move, carry on for moving forward. Um, so for me, I'd personally go with catch, dive and catch. Um, just, or maybe, you know, it's a bit out of saying, but going sprint, sure feet. Yeah. And you've got a movement nine piece, so you don't have to get as far into your position. So it gives you that more reliability to score in less turns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 you know, he's going to be getting his, his, his points through scoring touchdowns in the first place. So if you're, if you're, you're not doing casualties with your, with your goblin, yeah, when you got blitzers and stuff like that. So well, he's not a goblin with claw, is he? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's either a, a fouling piece and sneaky git. Is it worth it? Not really. It just not, bumps it, his value up too much. MVP, so he's yeah. So it's it, he has to be scoring touchdowns first. So you have to kind of be using him in that sort of. That's why I think the the skills that make him better at doing what he does, and if he's going to be getting points, would be from scoring touchdowns. So catch, sprint, sure feet. You know, diving catch so it gets the ball more reliably. That, that's that's the way I think about it. Um, but then, if you're using him as a defensive piece, then definitely dive and tackle, sidestep. And for stat increases, agility for a stunty player is oh, ridiculous. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, catch the ball on twos, you throw him, he lands on threes, all these sorts of things. And you can just dodge wherever he wants. Like, agility yeah. for a goblin is really good. Um, oh. And it actually changes the reliability of the... That's when I'm like, hmm, strong arm on a troll. This is now becoming an option. Like, you know, it's kind of, huh? there, are, there are cogs are wearing here. <laughs> and then you go double on a troll with nerve of steel. So you can actually put them on the line and the opposition can't do anything about your throw. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> go nerves of steel. Um, yeah. yeah, goblins. So, like we said, even if you use them, they're not going to skill up a lot. So there's yeah. options you can give them, but it's just not going to come up too much. Right, they cheap. Yeah. No, they are cheap. Yeah, the 40K yeah. is awesome. I think that covers the um, the orcs in the league. I think we've mm -hmm. sort of gone through the league builds and um, and how to go through it. Um, you're going to end up with, like we said, those eight core players. Hopefully, four block black orcs. Um, your blitzer is going to have mixtures of mighty blow and guard and tackle and all the killing shit. Um, yeah. And then you might have a block troll, um, but that's going to be your general. Build. And then, like dirty player lime orcs later on. 
and your thrower, like I say, is going to get blocked and bits and bobs. Right, let's uh, take a quick break here, and then we'll mm-hmm. come back and talk about orcs in the tournament setting. Yeah. gentlemen boys and girls welcome back to the talk nuffle podcast where we're going to finish off this orc race review with uh, some uh, some tournament chats aren't we dan yeah it's gonna be epic yeah, tournaments are one of the most fun parts of blood bowl and it's uh well it's always nice to talk about these during this horrible COVID time when none of us can go and it's very sad but you know we'll keep talking about how to play in tournaments and you know you can go online you can play in fun ball, you can do some different bits so yeah orcs always tier one very strong in tournament setting aren't they? <laughs> yeah they are because they can be played different ways they're reliable and in a tournament setting you normally find that some tournaments hamper like the hamper certain teams so they're a tier one team because they are more reliable when the effects from a tournament organizer is to dumb down to tier one so if it's like okay you can't you can't spam certain skills um, you can take two of a kind of that. it doesn't hurt orcs that much whereas other tier one teams it kind of cripples them and a lot of people wouldn't take them but the problem is they are tier one but always bottom tier one because the other tier one teams when they get the same amount of skills do tend to outperform the Orcs. Um, but the problem is it's hard to gauge how good they are in tournaments because everyone knows that when you look at that, that curve, um, people normally take Orcs to their first tournament that might not be that skilled at playing Blood Bowl yet. They might not think about the turn process of doing the reliable moves first or, or what to do and that kind of stuff. So you do find Orcs do tend to lose quite a lot um, and it's not a realistic um, view of how good they are. Yeah, um, the problem is they they're well they're also a drawing team, aren't they, Orcs? And, yeah. and in a league that's good. You you you're looking at grinding out two ones and one ones. Um so the problem with Orcs is they're not a team to take if you want to go and win six games and win an event necessarily. You don't see Orcs winning events that a lot that often. But you do if you want to go for like a four or five wins out of six, they're definitely solid to do that, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I say. And they and they do get and and you do often see actually in the in the tiers where there's like six or seven tiers they're quite often in that tier two kind of point they're not mm-hmm. quite at the top so people do recognise that and and that they're they're harder to use but what um what builds have you got um in front of you there Dan? Okay, so my first go to build um so when we talked about league and we said that you know you want to take your core which is the four bobs four blitzers um thrower two linemen um three re rolls give you nine ninety so if you're talking about a normal box standard tournament where it's 1.1 so all my rosters revolve around that um you've got an extra 110k spare so that's either a goblin and apo so you add the apo to give your blitzes and stuff more reliability and then the gobbo on the bench or lineman on the bench however you want to play um and that goes to takes you to 1-1 or you can fit in the chainsaw and this a lot of new players do tend to do this rather than taking the troll build um where you see you got your, your standard 11 you got your chainsaw star player um, you've got three re-rolls. It's pretty much everything in there with um, a little bit of fun thrown in. So that's a, that's a viable tournament um, 
for for rookie coaches option. And is this for a one point one kind of one point one? Yeah, uh, you can get twelve uh, twelve players, one of them being the chainsaw star player, and free rerolls. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good build actually because you've got you've got a bit of a bench there anyway. So even mm. though he is going to go off, he can hopefully do some damage. And like we talked a little bit about chainsaws and how to use them in terms of using them for fouls or surgically mm. to strike those important dodges. So yeah, that's pretty effective. Uh, what's the next build you got there, Dan? Okay, so second build um, is actually a Ripper build. Um, I would say the Ripper is so much more reliable than you know, box standard Troll. Yeah, I do love the Ripper. In the tournament where you got 1.1 plus potentially, he could fit quite quite helpfully. Um, okay, so yeah, so 1.2. Um, for 1.2, you got Ripper for 270, Core at 640, which I keep mentioning. Um, take a Goblin and two linemen. Uh, that's 160, so that brings you up to 100 and uh, 1 million and 70. Um, and Two rerolls, so that's one one ninety. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so you could potentially, I was kind of thinking off the bat, you could drop another lineman to a goblin and get a thrower in if you want a leader for three rerolls. That's potentially possible. You'd have to uh, drop the goblin, put a, yeah. Yeah, so drop. So you you had two linemen in there, didn't you? Uh, two linemen, yeah. So that would take so it down one, to one fifty. Could also be a goblin, which would leave twenty k left to to grab yeah. a thrower. And, uh, and then you can have a leader in there if you wanted three rerolls. Uh, but that's like yeah. extra goblin stuff. But that, that's possible. You know, there's, you could chuck around with two or three rerolls how you want to yeah. go for it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I think all these uh, random tournament builds I'm ch- chucking out now, because again, orcs are so cheap, you can have variations of this. Mm. Um, so the next one, I knew we'd kind of get hung if we didn't talk about this, because you know, people are talking about at the moment, is speed orcs. Oh, yes. We love yeah. the speed orcs. I think it's something oh. I definitely want to use. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've only got four movement six players, you are a slow, slow team. Um, so to bump that up, make it eight, eight movement six, um, and especially with the, the stunties and stuff. So I'm looking at two different variations on this. You've got um, four goblins, four blitzers, four bobs. So you've got your core and the goblins. Um, that all together tied in comes at uh, 880. So a 1.1, that leaves you 220 left. So yeah. you can go for two re-rolls and have 100 left over for... Um, uh, Apo and a Babe, or depending on what they let you take, if you want to take five fan factor or something like that, um, uh, which you right. might need, yeah, <laughs> Brian, potentially if you're going to foul with the goblins and stuff. Actually, um, you can fit the chainsaw in as well. His chainsaw's 100k, so he, can, yeah, yeah, but he's he's only movement five and kind of he's not speedy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or you could drop one of the bobs. I know this is kind of everything I've said over the whole podcast is you need your core, you need your core. Um, so you've got four goblins. Four blitzers, three bobs. So you're dropping one of your slower players, um, but then that core then drops down to five sixty. Your four goblins is two forty, so that's eight hundred total, leaving you three hundred left over. Um, so with the three hundred left over, you can get the three rerolls and a troll. So you're dropping a bob and putting a troll in with the four goblins as well. It gives you more option and. Uh, yeah, I know you don't like saying it, but the one-turn touch, uh, touchdown option of actually having the speed to get the ball handoff to the goblin next to the troll to be, then be thrown. Um, so it's a little bit more out there, a little bit more of a wacky approach, but it is doable. Um, I could see that getting played. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of, you know, cogs are whirring here. I'm kind of thinking, you know, there are probably options to almost fit Ripper in there instead of the troll in like a 1.2 for example, um, yeah. where you can drop some other bits and, and kind of fit that in. But um, no, I like that. Yeah, so you yeah, I mean, up, but you basically want the four goblins and the four blitzers to add that movement in, don't you? And then you mm-hmm. kind of build around that. 
I mean, I, I might look at that if it was like, say, your one of your tournaments where you get a star player in your starting eleven, because then you drop, drop on the bobs, yeah. one two with a star in it as well, so you can yeah. Um, yeah. So my last option um, is your typical troll build. So your core, one troll, one thrower, one goblin, um, three rerolls uh, takes you up to ten sixty. So you got forty spare. Um, or you could drop the thrower um, for a goblin and an apo. So you have two goblins instead of the one one thrower. Um, and that takes you to 1.1. 1. 1. So people you, people do like taking trolls with orc teams. Uh, me and you, we, we don't. But um, if you want to fit it in there, it is an option where you can keep the reliability of having rerolls as well. Yeah, and like we said, it's not the wrong thing to do. It depends on your play style. Um, how you want to use that big piece. We just feel that the reliability that the Orcs bring, he takes away from. Um, mm -hmm. Just don't need that extra strength. You can build it in in other ways. Um, but yeah, no, that's nice, Dan. There's a good few different options there. And like we said, there's there's almost no... as soon And as soon as Orcs get into the 1.1+, plus, when they go to 1.12, that's when you can really start to use stars and it becomes, you know, they've got quite a few options there you can put in because they're so cheap. Getting that yeah. core in is, is not too expensive. Um, I've actually worked out whether you can fit Barag in, and I would I would love to take Barag to an event because I think I think he's good enough, particularly in tournaments where he's a mighty blow, jump up, strength four blitzer. Like he he can add in there where you've got limited skills to take. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to drop one of the core to fit him in potentially, but again, once he goes one point one two, maybe you don't. Um, and I always like to because because I'm a star player kind of man. Um, I always like to try and fit it into the standard 1.1 where you can't take stars in your build and then build from there and see how it yeah. goes. And often listeners, you know, when you go into tournaments, you do look at the pack and you think, actually, this build's not going to fit so well compared to what others going on. Maybe I'll take it to another one. But it's nice to go from there as a starting point. So I figured out that you can basically get um, Varag instead of one of your blitzers and no troll. So you can mm. still get effectively the core. So you take three blitzers, four black orcs and Varag. Um, for, for the core build. Um, and then you can get uh, a thrower and three goblins, and that comes up to effectively 12 players uh, mm. and one reroll in a leader. And that's 1.1, bang on. So that's 11 players plus Varag. And you've got some goblins in there, but which is actually quite nice. Like when we talk about the speed build, it's always like the speed build with Varag, which I think is kind of quite nice. Uh, and only two rerolls, but obviously the throwers. In a, in a weird kind of way, the thrower might not even carry the ball. You might give it to someone else, but there's different ways you can play it. Well, but then, yeah, but if he's your leader caddy as well, you've got to protect him. So he's probably best carrying the ball. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, but then from 1.1, if you're looking at that as a core, you know, if you're pushing up to 1.2 and you've got 100k to play with, you can start upgrading your goblins to line orcs or you can chuck in another reroll and you don't have to take the thrower um, and things like that. Um, I think you, can't, you probably can't fit in a troll um, with Varag. I think you're going to be looking at, you know, kind of Varag and Black Orcs and, and that sort of build. But I was quite pleased that he does, he does physically fit into a 1.1 that would work because you've got two rerolls and, and him with another four or five extra skills on the other players would, would be quite effective. So I was quite pleased I came up with that build. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask you, I'll pose you a question here because um, this is what all Orc coaches see when they get tournaments. If you are limited to two-of-a-kind skills, how would you skill up your typical Orc team? Because if you can take six basic skills, but only two of a kind, so you can't spam skills. If you can spam, then it's normally the block spam. 
think Backbreaker last year, you know, I think Backbreaker was one of a kind. I'm trying to remember. Some, some tournaments are doing that now. And, and the problem mm. is they're doing it to try and stop lizards and probably orcs. And they end up butt-fucking dwarves because dwarves just need two or three guard at least and they just get absolutely fucked. They can only take one, which is yeah. a problem for some of the teams. So, but yeah, yeah, but what I mean, or, two and two. So do you, yeah. basically, it's what skills do you put on your black orcs, or if, if at any, if you can only take skill, six skills and two of a kind? Yeah, I think um, I don't think you desperately need block on them um, in a tournament setting when the other top tier teams are restricted as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think I would look to my blitzers more, and I would look at. I think you need, if I can, I would. You need two guard, and I'm just not sure where you take those. Whether those are definitely both on blitzers, or whether one of them's on a black or one of them's on a blitzer, and and how you skill that. I think I probably would. I think I'd probably take at least one black orc and then maybe a guard black orc, a guard blitzer. Because often that might even only be four or five skills. And you've only mm. got three left. And I quite often will then use one of those for sure hands. Um, and then, because I do think you need a block sure hands player, like a thrower, I think you'd put block him in anyway. So I think I'd use one of them for sure hands. And then maybe one tackle blitzer. So I'm looking at, so if that's five skills, you know, you've got two guard blocks. So I don't, I tend to find when I do my orc builds anyway, that I don't have a lot of room left to put loads of block on my black orcs. So I'm going to have to just use them as those strength four speed bumps and not rely on them as much to hit. And they are just going to stand there. That's how I tend to build them into tournaments. So that's interesting. Cause I, I tend to go the other way. I do. I always think, right. Okay. All these need one skill each. So I tend to do two guard, two block. Um, and then I've got two skills left over for the blitzers. So say one might have short hands and the other one will have tackle because I always like to take a tackle piece playing against agility teams. Yeah, um, but, then, but, then, but then you are missing Mighty Blow. So it's a case of if you've got the thrower in, in there, then the other one has Mighty Blow, one has tackle. Yeah. I think when I'm looking at my skills, like it's like I want as much guard as I can get and some block on the back mm. orcs, And then I need like tackle, sure hands and guard. Yeah. And then I want like Mighty Blow. And Mighty Blow is probably the first one that goes. So like I'm like if I'm restricted to four or five skills and I've got to cut it, I'm going to have to cut my spell. Like we talked about, you're not going to rely on removing your opponent. You're going to rely on cutting them down. So I'll remove that my spell. If I can get it, I'll take it. But if not, it's not the end of the world. Mm. Um, and the next thing I'm looking at is my black orcs becoming more immobile um, pillars that stand in the way and just don't worry about the block. And I'm going to yeah. need my guard, tackle, short hands, and my blitzers to make them work. That's hence how I think about the team. That is true. I mean, my blow is always the first thing to go, even though orcs still tend to sometimes get most casualties because they can stand up to other teams in a fight. So they win that attrition war where they're jamming them in and then removing the opposition just because of rolling more block dice and the amount of dice they're throwing. So they get opportunities to get more casualties. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do skill up the blitzers first. They're the superstars. And yeah. I do see black orcs. And I think that they really take that backseat role in the tournament where they do get reduced to that they're great strength for blocking like standing in the way piece but you're not going to throw blocks and you're not going to look to do stuff with them as much in leagues you look to build them into that but you just like i've seen teams where they just go four block black orcs and the blitzers and i'm like i just don't really see what that adds like well you're going to be throwing loads and loads of blocks with your black orcs then i don't think you're playing the team correctly uh, it, it, no, there is a, um, a way, as I said, I think I mentioned this before, um, the way SCSM plays, he does take the full block spam. Um, and the idea is if you know how to block forward on the line and then you trap their players, hopefully on the floor, with your black orc. So you've moved them forward with the block and then you're putting them to the side and then you have them trapped between two black orcs. So you're not only 
giving putting space there, but you're denying them their players back. So you're making the t- option have less players. So you need to know how to do this, do those starting blocks first. So that's more of a, you know, cause then you're very aggressive, very in the face. If they stand up, they're going to get punched down again by your black orcs. So they, you want to have the reliability of blocking on them. Um, but as you say, the, the way you play, you're using your blitzers to win you the game, not to try and tie up players with the black orcs as in like trap them with the black orcs. So it's, it's different, it's different approaches. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's what, what I think. I just, I just disagree with that approach because I think, mm. that, and it's, it's, that's what it comes down to, listeners. You, everyone ends up playing a different way. There's no one style to play a bubble. And that's why it's such a good game system. Like, there's different ways to do it. And all these people who say, oh, they're so good. It's, it's, it's such a luck-based game anyway. But yeah. in a way, it's kind of a confidence game. You've got to just play it how you want to play it and have fun. And yeah. you might roll double ones at any point and lose. And all of the best players in the world who've won all these great events have at some point not rolled that double one and someone could have else could have done it. So you've got to really think about what you find fun and how you're going to play the game most effectively. Because if you, in a way, kind of way, it's also like a morale game. If you start to get mm. down in the dumps and make stupid decisions and do stupid things with Blood Bowl, that's when you tend to lose. And the very best players turn that off and yeah. just are able to play the game how they want to play it all the time. And I think that's actually quite important in Blood Bowl is to be, be effective in the way you play. So you do have to decide what works for you. Do you ever play tournament practice games? So what? there's a tournament coming up and you'll play a few games against your mates and stuff like that to try out different builds and stuff. I don't actually in Blood Bowl, no. Is that something you do quite often, is it? I like to, but the problem is the people I play with, they just want to sit there and play a full game and you don't learn anything. So say if I played against you with a tournament build and in the first few turns you caught loads of casualties on me, I'm not going to learn anything about my build. So I'd rather... And then yeah. I, well, I, I sit there, I like to teach as well. So I sit and talk through what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to move this player here. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking about stopping you having that space there. So I'm moving around to that. And I tell my opponent what I'm doing and hope that he does the same with me. So it's, a practice game for me needs to be practice. Um, yeah. where, you, where you can reset things and do things. But I can see you doing that in the pub, just going for a pub session, uh, yeah. playing through some builds and like having a look through it. That would be really enjoyable. Like I'd enjoy that. And I think that's what it comes back to, enjoyability with Blood Bowl. Like sometimes... Yeah. I see people say, oh, let's turn up at the club and just, shall we play, you know, whatever, the Super Bowl bills and we'll just play a game of that. And then yeah. you know, somebody takes someone off in the first half. And you're like, well, yeah, I agree. You're not learning anything. Like if you want to do tournament practice games, then it's more about let's, let's go to the pub for a few hours and we'll play through some build style, play styles and try yeah. things out. I can see that being enjoyable. Yeah, sure. Anyway, Dan, I think that's probably covered the orcs for tournament bills. We've gone a little bit into how to play for tournaments and how to enjoy them. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's probably hit the podcast on the head. Have you got anything more to add on orcs specifically before we wrap this up? Just learn how to talk like an orc. Spit <laughs> Z's on everything and just miss out a few letters here and there. Smash them. Exactly. Well, <laughs> you've got to get your head into a play style, don't you? So orcs are looking to bash and crash and smash things. And they do really play like that. Like if you're having fun kicking your opponent and bashing them and hitting them, then the orcs are definitely for you. And that's why you don't take the thrower because you can't... <laughs> Magic <laughs> about you know why and what what situation you take it. Anyway, thanks for coming on, Dan. Um, it's been a really enjoyable podcast. Um, Always a pleasure. And listeners, we will uh, we'll talk again soon about some other races. But thanks for listening. Bye bye.
Dimension With all your wrist you can 